white supremacy is the sickness. At the beginning of the pandemic, COVID-19 swept through many of the nation's meatpacking plants. Now, workers and their towns are working on ways to introduce reforms and enhance safety in these plants. Thing is, though, they face some significant hurdles. Iowa Public Radio's Natalie Krebs reports. Meatpacking plants were some of the first places to experience large-scale COVID-19 outbreaks. The virus tore through production lines where workers, who are frequently first-generation immigrants, stand shoulder-to-shoulder, working long hours on fast-paced lines. What's clear is the aftermath of those outbreaks had a profound impact, both on workers and on the rural meatpacking communities they live in. David Peters is a sociology professor at Iowa State University and conducted a survey on the pandemic's effect on Iowa's rural communities. He says residents in meatpacking communities were hit the hardest. They suffered in particular economically by having reduced working hours, wage cuts, benefit losses, losing the jobs, and of course health impacts. Much more of them were hospitalized. It greatly affected immigrants like Amner Martinez, whose Guatemalan family has worked in a central Iowa Tyson pork plant for the past two decades. He credits the job with helping to pull them out of poverty. Martinez says he didn't even know how sick his 74-year-old father was with COVID-19 until he was recovering. Apparently he was really sick and um, he said that he was like on his knees, basically talking to God. In the nearly two years since the virus swept through facilities, major meatpacking companies like Tyson Foods say they've invested heavily in an effort to protect their frontline workers. Claudia Copeland is the chief medical officer for Tyson Foods. We've invested hundreds of millions of dollars to transform our facilities with protective measures, everything from temperature scanners, workstation dividers, social distance monitors, masking, and our always-on testing program. But a recent congressional subcommittee investigation found that the nation's five largest meat processing companies should have acted quicker to protect workers early in the pandemic, and noted that many pushed back against public health guidance at the time. It also concluded that federal regulators under the Trump administration provided minimal oversight of the plants during the outbreaks. Soon after taking office, Joe Biden signed an executive order setting worker health and safety as a national priority, promising to increase federal safety regulations and plant inspections. This has earned him support from meatpacking worker unions, but not necessarily from plant executives. Occupational health and safety experts say both Congress and the local lawmakers still aren't doing enough to create a stronger framework to protect workers from future outbreaks. Claudia Corwin is with the University of Iowa. Very, very few states have actual protections for vulnerable food system workers in the event of public health emergencies like the COVID pandemic. And that needs to come at a legislative level. In the meantime, top Republican lawmakers often continue to defend meatpacking plant owners and say the focus needs to be on keeping the lines running. At a congressional hearing in October, Iowa Republican Marionette Miller-Meeks cautioned about supply chain disruptions that have increased meat supplies across the country. We must not make it worse. When we do, it is those in the margins, low-income families and rural Americans who feel it the most. With the pandemic still gripping the nation, she argues the focus now needs to be less on meatpacking plant owners and more on getting meatpacking plant workers fully vaccinated. For NPR News, I'm Natalie Krebs in Des Moines. Truck drivers are at the intersection of today's supply chain disruptions and labor issues. An apparent shortage of truck drivers during the pandemic 
makes it hard for packages to reach their destinations. President Biden recently announced a plan to try to recruit more drivers, but is the real problem recruitment or keeping drivers who are already in rigs on the road? Pierre Laguerre is a former truck driver who founded an Airbnb-style company called Fleeting and joins us now from Atlanta. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you, Scott. Thank you for having me. Tell us some of the things that attracted you and, and some of the things that sometimes uh, are a problem for professional drivers and, and apparently have forced many people to leave. There's so many systemic issues that exist in trucking, and I think driver turnover is serious, right? It's not just mm -hmm. about recruiting drivers. It's what is it that we need to do to keep those drivers? Well, the issue is this. The trucking industry does not provide no flexibility to truck drivers. Truckers are spending, on average, 250 nights away from their family. Three to seven drivers are suffering from diabetes. They have the highest rate in divorce than any other industry. When you put all of that together, who in their right mind want to be a truck driver in today's age to go spend 30 days on the road with no upward mobility in sight? Tell us about the physical problem of being on the road, of being in the cab, of keeping your eyes on the road. That's a great question because people always think that a truck driver's job is just driving. But people don't understand the amount of stress that, that goes into a driver's mentally, right? First, the driver has to worry about his safety and the safety of others. He's operating a vehicle that takes at least the length of two football fields to come to a complete stop. A driver is only allowed to drive 11 hours per day, and they have to go sleep for 10 hours before they can start driving again. Nine out of 10, where that driver is pulling over to get that 10 hours of rest is somewhere in the middle of the country. And sometimes those places look dangerous, especially for women drivers. And drivers cannot find truck stops to properly get their rest. Some of them is pulling over on the shoulder to sleep by six, seven in the morning. The state trooper is knocking on their window. Hey, you got to get into a truck stop, which interfering with their sleep. So if you really look at the entire ecosystem of trucking, again, it's not an industry that promotes health, that promotes wellness, that promotes good quality of life. Yeah. Those are a lot of challenges. Where, where, where do you begin to do something about that? Well, so for us, even um, as a company, having myself with 17 years experience in this space, I've realized the problem for multiple levels. And I understand trucking is a high volume, low margin business. So it's very hard for trucking companies to provide part-time opportunity to trucking. And this is why our model, Fleeting, what we do is we create an Airbnb model that allow a trucker to create when he wants to work, for how long he wants to be on the road for. Now that I give that driver more control of his schedule and more control of his earnings. If you're using kind of the Airbnb model for, for trucking, is that necessarily going to raise wages for truck drivers, though, which is an important consideration? Yes, absolutely. Currently, right now, there's about 4 million truck drivers in the U.S. 10% of those drivers are owner-operator, meaning they own their own trucks. They get to dictate where they go, who they haul for, and how long they stay on the road. But that's only 10% of the industry. But the 90% of drivers, those are drivers that work for companies. They have zero control of their schedules, zero control of their earnings. Of course, they want that same flexibility like owner-operators, but it's hard to own a truck and it's hard to manage a logistics business. We give the same 90% of drivers the flexibility that the 10% of the industry drivers have. So instead of drivers getting paid per mile, we have a split where everybody walks out evenly. We already beat an industry average. Our drivers are already starting at $76,000 a year on our platform. Meanwhile, the industry average is $45,000 a year. The uh, the Biden administration has this truck action plan that calls for, for speeding up the commercial licensing process and expanding uh, the apprenticeship program. Will that help, do you think? I mean, anything will help right now, for sure, right? But for me, the question would be here is, well, how long would this last? Well, we can get 
a thousand or 20,000 young men to get their CDL today. Are we going to change the ecosystem in trucking that's going to help them get better, that's going to help them grow and help them become much better uh, entrepreneur or much better drivers? It's not just creating a curriculum and help them get their CDL and then put them back in the industry and say, hey, go figure it out. I think, again, yes, although that can be great, that's a great step towards, you know, fixing a problem. But I also believe that we really need to look at the deep root cause of why drivers leaving and why nobody wants to be a truck driver. Pierre Laguerre is a, a former truck driver, CEO of Fleeting. Thank you so much for being with us, sir. And a happy, happy holidays to you and your family. Thank you, Scott. Appreciate it. And happy holidays to you and your family as well. And happy holidays to all the truckers out there that keep our world moving. So let's give them some love. The first all-civilian space mission back in September had people who've never even dreamed of leaving the planet looking towards space. The goal of SpaceX's Inspiration4 was to show space travel is available to all. But as WMFE's intern Maria Brasino reports, the aerospace industry is still struggling with gender equality. The crew of the all-civilian mission was half male and half female, a perfect representation of gender equality. But that's not the case for the aerospace industry as a whole. Unfortunately, I don't know of a woman who hasn't experienced discrimination for being a woman or a gender minority in the space sector. That's Laura Forsek. She's a space policy analyst and consultant. Forsek says it was a rude awakening finishing school and joining the workforce because in a school there were more women in her classes. She says that while working in a male-dominated field, she's gotten a lot of negative comments that have to do with her being a woman. But for success, the discrimination was most prevalent when she decided to expand her family. And that especially changed when I became a mother and went out more in uh, business settings with a belly bump or with a brand new baby and did not care what other people thought of that, despite the fact that I did receive discrimination for, for having a baby. <laughs> and, and it's one of those things where we still have a long way to go. A lot of people who major in STEM fields go into careers in the space industry. While headway has been made, concerns still remain. According to census.gov, in 1970, women made up 8% of STEM workers. By 2019, that percentage had increased to 27%. However, that growth has mainly been in the social sciences, which makes up only 3% of STEM occupations. Recently, current and former employees from Blue Origin, a private space company owned by Jeff Bezos, published an article talking about the company's lack of diversity. Staff noted that the company employs 3,600 people and the majority are male and white. Employees also spoke of women being paid less and women being sexually harassed by a senior executive who got a promotion instead of being reprimanded. Lately, women have been speaking up about sexual harassment in the space industry. Emily Carney is founder of Space Hipsters, an online space exploration community. She says her opportunities became even more limited after speaking out about the sexual harassment she experienced. I applied for a few events and I was turned down. Like they were like, nope. I mean, I was qualified. Carney says if she could offer advice to any girl interested in space or women entering the field, it will be to not let sexism bring them down. Don't listen to 
idiots, basically. <laughs> there are organizations working to get more women and non-binary people into careers in space. The Brooke Owens Fellowship was started in 2017. It helps undergraduate students by pairing them with a mentor and offering students summer internships. Consultant Laura Forsack is a mentor for the program. And so this is a group that's meant to show them that they are that they belong, that they're, they're, there's a community of supporters behind them. For success, lifelong connections are built through the fellowship, but she also says not being afraid of speaking up and calling out inequalities also serves her well as a woman in the space industry. For WMFE News, I am a space intern, Maria Briseno. We continue our holiday series today, highlighting people working to make the world a better place with a story about Joan Melendez Meisner. By day, she's a rocket engineer at NASA's Kennedy Space Center. But in her free time, she's creating social media content on Instagram and TikTok to inspire the next generation of engineers, especially underrepresented people like Hispanic women. WMFE's Brendan Byrne has this look at her story. My name is Joan Melendez Meisner, and I'm an aerospace integration engineer for NASA. DART is the double asteroid redirection test, and I was one of the integration engineers on that mission. Five, four, three, two, one. And liftoff of the Falcon 9 and DART. I know you don't wake up, you know, as a kid and like, ah, I just want to work on launch stuff. But, um, but yeah, it was a, it was a long road. I was a little bit lost when I first started college and I had a really good guidance counselor who was like, Hey, what about engineering? What about STEM? What about science? You know, I was like, I don't think I look like an engineer. Isn't that like a male dominated field? You know, she was like, you're, you're really good at problem solving. You're really good at working with your hands. You should really give it a, give it a shot. And so uh, she helped me get my first internship with NAVAIR, Naval Air Systems Command. And just being able to work on fighter jets and fighter engines, I was just like, I'm hooked. When I was going through middle school, high school, you know, we, we had the internet, but I didn't really see a lot of people that looked like me in the positions that I was going for. And so that's what my main motivation of doing outreach is. So everyone who looks, you know, who's a Hispanic a woman in STEM or just a, a young female, looks at me and can see themselves in me. And that, that's what drives me and pushes me to do a lot of this content. You know, social media is, is good, but then it's also bad. It's, uh, you know, it quickly made me realize that social media is a huge highlight reel. So a lot of people are just only going to show you what the best part of their lives and people can be dragged down because of it. You know, that even though I have all of these awesome experiences, there were points where I was, you know, I had depression because I failed classes or I had immense imposter syndrome because I didn't think that I belonged to where I was. And so I want people to understand that we are human, that we are not just the highlight reel that we see on social media, that we are all of these things underneath it as well. Anglo-Saxon men is what, you know, I usually picture it as an engineer, or as a rocket scientist. And so I want to break those stereotypes. I want, you know, right now women are make up about like 28% of the STEM workforce. I think believe Hispanic women are between eight and 10%. And so I want that number to go up because, you know, if we're sending humans to Mars, if we're sending humans to the moon, they're not all going to be six feet white men. They're going to be women. We're going to do that. You have to have women on your team. You have to have Hispanic women on your team. And so I, I feel like it's a huge responsibility and I want them to see themselves in me because I want them to, you know, see that you can make it. Don't touch my hair. 
just the fillings I wear. Hairstylists in Louisiana will soon be tested on their ability to cut textured hair. As of June, cosmetology students must pass that test to receive a license. Ambriel Crutchfield of WPLN reports on why that matters. The Louisiana Cosmetology Board wants anyone with kinky, coily, or wavy hair to walk into a salon and know a hairstylist can cut their hair. This shift means hair schools will have to make sure they have textured mannequin heads for teaching and learning. Edwin Neal is the chairman of the Louisiana Board of Cosmetology and the CEO of Aveda Arts. So there's no other state that has cutting of textured hair on their state board examination. In just about every state, requirements center on straightening hair, whether it's with chemicals or a flat iron. But growing up, Baton Rouge Aveda instructor Lauren Williams says her mother taught her the versatility of styling her hair, whether it was double-strand twist, braiding, or relaxing it. This was her mother's way of instilling the value of putting her best self forward, which included appearance. In the last decade, as people have embraced their natural hair, Williams has been prepared to help her students adapt. If you don't know something, it's intimidating until you learn it. But once you learn it, once you get it, they're like, oh, Miss Lauren, that wasn't that bad. She says more education for her students will mean more services stylists offer. Nielsen reports that Black women are more likely to rely on salon visits, but the pandemic pushed them to be more than two times more likely to buy hair treatments than the average buyer. Yet Black hair hasn't been essential learning at large beauty schools like Aveda Institute until recently. The school played an integral part in pushing for Louisiana to include textured hair on the cosmetology test. Renee Goddard is the head of Aveda's texture education. From historical figures such as Madam C.J. Walker to Art Dyson more recently, Black people have taught how to care for Black hair. It just wasn't the standard. It wasn't on anybody's state exam. We know why, because of our racist history in this country. Historically, beauty has been an important part of power. White Europeans use social and psychological tactics to make enslaved Africans feel inferior, like deeming curly and kinky textured hair as bad. Tiffany Gill is a history professor at Rutgers University. For the enslaved people to care for one's body became sort of an act of defiance. It became a way for them to assert their humanity and their dignity. In hair schools throughout the country, stylists of color have picked up the slack of beauty schools and taught others how to do textured hair. For Louisiana teachers that are new to doing textured hair, they will be learning alongside their students. Nashville-based hairstylist Amber Curry graduated and taught for the Aveda Arts. They now go throughout the country teaching the history of beauty discrimination and practical techniques for doing black hair. Beyond testing, they want to know what the school and larger industry will do to show it values black clients as people, like teaching diversity and inclusion, so stylists feel empowered to speak up when they see someone not receiving proper care or are being harmed. It's not going to show if you know how to value those Black bodies that you have been ignoring for however long the salon industry has been in. Curry is concerned that Louisiana's policy change is a Band-Aid in the larger picture of ensuring Black clients are treated with care. Aveda Arts tells NPR its curriculum does include training for students on how to consult a diverse client base. Aveda is looking to change testing requirements in over 20 states, including Texas. 
For NPR News, I'm Ambriel Crutchfield in Nashville. On December 10th, an Amazon warehouse in Edwardsville was hit by a tornado. Six workers died. And in the aftermath, regulators and observers alike are asking questions about Amazon. So, Connie, I want to start with you. The six people who died in this Edwardsville warehouse, they were on the clock. What duties did Amazon have to these workers? Well, uh, under federal and Illinois law, every employer is required to maintain a safe and a healthy work environment for their employees. I guess one of the questions become, uh, or becomes is whether or not these individuals who unfortunately passed away were in fact employees or actual independent contractors that were hired by Amazon. Many of the individuals who work at the facility are in fact independent contractors. And oftentimes employers will classify an independent, uh, an employee as an independent contractor as a way to avoid paying unemployment of benefits as well as workers' compensation, taxes, and social security. So uh, the, the, the company's obligation to the employees or independent contractors as well as the employees' rights and the family's rights for filing suits following this incident will really depend on their status at the time of death. So, Mark, if they were independent contractors, they were there in that warehouse working, would that be a good defense for Amazon? We don't have to provide a safe environment. These aren't technically employees. Yeah, no, they still have to provide a safe work environment. And and here's the thing, before you even get to that, uh, because I think this is something a lot of people don't understand. They think that employers can just kind of say you're an employee, you're an independent contractor and just, you know, like naming people doesn't work that way. Um, the both at the federal level and the state level, um, regardless of how the employee is classified, uh, the government agency can come in and take a look and decide, well, even though you said this person is an independent contractor, they're really an employee. And, and the mechanism they use to make that determination is the amount of control the employer has over the employee. And it's different at the federal and in each state slightly. And in Illinois, there were a couple of cases um, with truck drivers. Uh, Both cases involved truck drivers. One came down in 2007, one came down in 2016. And in one case, they found the persons, the the employees were employees. And in the second case, they found the folks were independent contractors and it was based on the amount of control. and and they use a number of factors to look at that. There's still a standard, um, you know, in in the workforce. And I think one of the big things will be: did they have a place for these employees to go in an unsafe situation? And it sounds like they did. Um, that's my understanding. Although OSHA is investigating, Pritzker and the state of Illinois are investigating. So I think we don't know all the facts. The the um, it sounds like. The employees who passed were all at the south end of the store, mm-hmm. uh, and then everyone who went to the north end of the store um, did not. It was relatively safe. Yeah. yeah, they survived. And I'm not sure if there were two like spaces uh, to be, you know, like for, to go in an emergency, or if they just didn't make it to the north one. I, I'm not clear, and I, I wasn't clear from what I've seen. The other thing is. You know, this building obviously fell apart, and I think it's it's called a tilt-up concrete structure. And I saw some writing saying these are, you know, not the safest structures in, in really severe weather. 
the issue here is my understanding is, you know, you had person A who built the structure, person B who then owned the structure, and then Amazon who leased the structure for the work. And so if it was unsafe, you'd have to prove that Amazon somehow knew that. And I think that would be really tough. That would be hard. If this building was built up to code, if they followed all the rules and the building was still unsafe, could that still be a factor in litigation, Uh, Mark? Yeah, I think it could be a factor. And and I think another factor would be, well, did the Amazon supervisors respond quickly to whatever warnings and notices they were getting? Did they let people um, react? And, and, you know, that we were talking before the show started about whether there was some employees who wanted to leave. I think Nicole knows more about that. But, but um, yeah, did they react quickly? The other thing is, you know, if you're an employee versus an independent contractor, then you have workers' comp. And workers' comp is both a it's a sword and a shield it's it's a way for employees to collect damages when they're injured at work but it also shields employees because it limits damages so so you know some employees if the employee if the worker is a little undefined the employer might go out of their way to say no this was an employee because it provides the shield um, that would cap and, maybe some damages? Yeah, damages. yeah exactly. Oh, interesting. Exactly. So, uh, you know, there are cases like where people have heart attacks in the hot tub at a conference while they're drinking and everything. And if somebody else is hurt, you might want to not want to say they're an employee or argue they're an employee. But if it's just that person who's hurt, you might want to say, no, that was in the course of the business uh, it was within the scope of employment and everything. So let's get it under workers' comp. Hmm. So a lot of times, yeah, lawyers want to know who got hurt, what was happening, uh, before we start trying to make the argument of whether they're an independent contractor or an employee. Nicole, I'd love to hear your yeah, thoughts on this. So there has been a lawsuit filed in this case, and I think a lot of people have heard that you know um, the famous you know civil rights lawyer Ben Crump has has come into town and has filed a lawsuit in this case. And I think um, people have probably also heard on the news that OSHA is coming to investigate. And, you know, um, a lot of the questions about what duty an employer has to their employees um, is yet to be answered. And and the reason is what OSHA does, so a lot of people have heard of OSHA but don't necessarily know exactly what that means. So OSHA says that that an employer has a duty to provide a safe workplace have an emergency plan and safety procedures for the employees. So I think part of what OSHA is coming to investigate, and probably Illinois has something you know similar where their investigators are going to work uh, in close contact with OSHA, is looking into, first of all, not just the structure of the building, but also what were the safety procedures? What were the emergency plans? And so part of this lawsuit is going to turn on, you know, what safety procedures did Amazon have? What were the policies in place? Were those policies followed on that day? Mm-hmm. And that's going to make a huge difference in the case. And so a lot of this remains to be seen about the duty and then was that followed. So I think the lawsuit 
um, and any potential lawsuits to follow are going to turn a lot on that. So this was a, a million square foot warehouse and Amazon has said, you know, people had just a few minutes to get quickly to safety. Now we know in St. Louis that night, we were getting quite a bit of warning that a tornado was on, on the way. A lot of us, like our phones were just going off and, and buzzing and buzzing. If a Amazon didn't immediately act on that and say, hey, start moving towards these safe places, Connie, do you think they could be in some trouble? trouble here? Uh, I think that it certainly would increase their level of liability. Uh, there was a recent news, newspaper article where the uh, fiance, significant other of one of the workers uh, who actually died uh, on the night of the tornado uh, indicated that uh, uh, her fiance had texted her roughly about 20 minutes before uh, the uh, tornado, tornado actually you know, uh, affected the facility. So 20 minutes uh, is a long time relative, but it's a long time for uh, Amazon to be put on notice and for the company to act. And so this I is, think that that timing plays a role. Connie, if I'm if I'm thinking of the same person here, I think this was her father and he wanted to leave. He was told not to leave. He ended up dying. I mean, that seems if I'm a juror, I'm struck to my core by that. Absolutely. Um, uh, um, uh, the article that I read involved an actual girlfriend and they were te texting back and forth. Uh, an individual wanted to leave and apparently uh, discussed it with the supervisor and that he was not permitted to leave. Hmm. Well, Mark, let's go to that hot tub that you were talking about earlier. Uh, I don't mean literally. <laughs> we're not going to oh, move yeah. this legal roundtable to a hot tub. Uh, right. But what if they had let this guy leave and then he would have been struck by a tornado on the way home? Would right. they have had liability in that scenario as well? So we were talking about that before the show as well. I mean, on the one hand, you know, what do they tell you in a tornado? If you're in your car, get out of your car, get in a safe place. You're supposed to be in a building with, you know, where there's no windows because the, the risk is the flying material. So on the one hand, um, it seems like a, a dangerous thing to let somebody leave a building to go out. But on the other hand, yeah, once they leave work, uh, your, your liability, whether you're an employer or hiring an independent contractor is probably uh, diminished because mm -hmm. they're no longer working for you and they they're they're on their own. So I think it's really tough you know and I, but I suspect what they were saying is don't leave because we're concerned for your safety. I suspect what they were saying is don't leave because we have work to get done and we need you to stay here and and that's a very different situation. Yeah, I mean, so, there, there are text messages that have come out where drivers, who, again, were subcontractors, right. but the driver supervisors were saying, you know, if you're <laughs> if you're stopping driving now, if you're taking shelter, this is going to be viewed fired. as you refusing your route, and that will end with you not having a job to come in tomorrow. Right. I mean, that kind of right. suggests people were meant to keep working. And the thing is, you know, when you tr if, if a case goes to trial and it gets as far as a jury and everything this is the kind of stuff that while it may not be le legally significant is going to really hurt a place like amazon uh, because jurors are human beings and and you know you got to make the legal case and oftentimes that's kind of boring it's just fact a fact b but but then you got all this sizzle part that really sells it to the jury and and i and you know in there was the, uh, I guess Bezos was talking about his his uh, space launch, 
and didn't mention what happened. So, you know, the the optics and the publicity are just terrible for Amazon. And it's, you know, for a lot of people, I think Amazon is like a necessary evil. You know, you, you feel terrible doing it. I know if I buy a book there, that's money that could have gone to left bank books and I'd rather do that. But it's just so damn easy sometimes mm-hmm. that you go ahead and hold your nose and do it. And so people have a love-hate relationship. So one last thing as it comes to juries, and again, I think you make a great point, Mark, that ooh, this a jury could want to tear into this company. Yeah. This Edwardsville is based in Madison County, Illinois. And this is a place that has been listed as a quote-unquote judicial hellhole. Now, that is coming from um, employers. <laughs> you know, they are saying this is a hellhole. The defense bar. Yeah, the Defense bar. Thank you. Uh, But so how could that factor into what's happening here? Nicole, do you think this will be a big factor that this is a place that is good uh, for plaintiff's lawyers? Sure. I mean, you always consider your venue when you're filing a lawsuit. And the fact that it is a place that I'm just going to say is positive to plaintiffs, (laughs) then yes, it is going to make it. I think it makes a difference. It's certainly something that people consider when they're filing lawsuits. And when they're, I mean, when you're talking about a lawsuit, everybody's considering their risk. And that certainly factors into the risk that you take uh, on both sides. Connie, I imagine there's a ton of good lawyers right now who are hoping to get a piece of this. I mean, this seems like something where a lawyer could really have a field day with some of these facts here. Absolutely. Um, uh, you know, it's 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 unfortunate that, you know, we already have out of town attorneys who are coming in and swooping up and taking advantage of this tragedy. Uh, I, I would hope the families would consider local attorneys to handle, you know, these issues who are familiar with the jurisdiction, who are familiar with the judges and the rules and the procedures. Uh, but uh, I'm sure that there are plaintiff's attorneys all over the country who are swooping in trying to, you know, take advantage of this litigation and take advantage of, you know, the case actually, uh, the, the events actually occurring in Madison County. Uh, oftentimes, uh, plaintiff's attorneys are, are, are reaching and stretching to make that connection. And, you know, based upon some of the cases and verdicts that have come out of Madison County in the past, it doesn't take very much uh, to establish a connection with Madison County and to get jurisdiction in Madison County. And a lot of times you have a plaintiff's attorneys out of Texas and all over the country who are attempting to file in Madison County because it has been deemed as one of the most litigious counties in the state of uh, in the state of Illinois and also in the United States of America. And you also have a defendant that has extremely deep pockets. I mean, so this is everything comes together. Having said all that, I mean, and this is one of the big shortcomings of the law. Um, We can't I mean, this is a tragedy and the law can't undo it. And giving people money um, doesn't bring their loved one back. And that's what everyone would want. And so what the law tries to do oftentimes is make decisions that will help avoid this tragedy in the future. So maybe uh, they say, let's let's hit them with a big verdict because then in the future employers will be quicker to put people in safe places. Uh, so we don't have it. You can never bring these people back. Like I said, it's a tragedy that can't be undone, but maybe the law can help avoid tragedies like this in the future. That's the hope for the law. Right. I mean, not to go on my big, long soapbox here, but that's why we have seatbelts and that's why we have child seats and all of those policies were made because of lawsuits. 
Yes. We're talking today to our legal roundtable. That includes Nicole Gorofsky, now in practice at Gorofsky Law, uh, Mark Smith, a former uh, associate vice chancellor and dean for career services at Washington University, and Connie McFarland Butler of the law office of Connie McFarland Butler. Context of white supremacy. Gus T. Renegade in for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Today's date, if it means anything, Friday, December 31, 2021. So I have been told last few hours as we count it down, I guess we will wrap up. It'll be for people on the East Coast, it'll be, I guess, one hour uh, to the countdown. Uh, you will have to forgive me. None of that means anything uh, to Gusty. I do not celebrate holidays under the system of white supremacy. And then the double whammy of it all, man, this week, very representative of 2021, imminent death at every moment in any possible way, even death from the weather. So on Saturday, it began snowing. I think we got about a half a foot of snow. Forgive me, I'm ignorant about the metric system. But we got about a half foot of snow, and the temperature dropped to about, I think it was 25 Fahrenheit. I think that's in the neighborhood of like negative 2 Celsius. Monday, it stayed around 25, dropped to, I think, 20, or actually, I take that back. I think Monday, the high was 23 degrees, dropped to 19 that night. Uh, it stayed in the 20s until yesterday where we got a brief tease of like 34 degrees before it started snowing again. Today, we got the crispy sunny 25 degrees, which is what it is right now. So I'm not really concerned. Uh, it has been super historically cold. There's ice everywhere. Uh, it, it, it has been so cold. I have felt a cognitive impairment from just being outside. So I'm probably not functioning well not thinking as well as I should. I do not do cold weather at all. This is historically unusual and long-lasting uh, cold weather for Seattle where the normal winter temps are like 40. Anywho, that aside, hopefully folks are being safe. Uh, if you got time away from the plantation uh, for the so-called holidays and New Year's Eve and all that stuff, Phenomenal. I hope you are using it in the most constructive manner possible, uh, getting great rest, eating well. Uh, if you are spending time with folks that you have constructive contact with, amazing. Then we can strategize about what we will be doing to neutralize what will be waiting on us probably on Monday, if not sooner, depending on, you know, what your job is. Uh, if you worked out some things, constructively, if you had any folks, you were hitting those office holiday parties, if you had to attend and you figured out, hey, this is what to do to navigate all that well, 
I figured out exactly. I stayed 35 minutes, bam, out of there. Shook a few hands, said hello. My supervisor and boss saw me. I was present, had a, you know, care mate to tag along with me. We made notes, observations, were both sober, got out with no mistreatment. You have any tips uh, if you had to deal with all of that or will be dealing uh, with all of that if it's a New Year's type thing, let us know. Uh, if you had any other issues uh, with the holiday, let us know and or the vaccine like, ooh-wee, forget celebrations. I know for some folks, depending on your geographic location, that is what is waiting in 2022. The Rona continues. Some of those vaccine mandates kick in uh, for certain jurisdictions, 2022, even around the world. Some of those mandates begin kicking in in the new year, maybe not immediately, but it's getting close with the calendar change. So definitely that to discuss as well. Uh, but this, again, not for spectators. Uh, if, you, if folks are out celebrating and you've got their champagne and party favors ready to roll, ready to count it down, then let us know. But I think we have other priorities. I know, I think at least a few of us might have to be going into a job of some sort soon. So priorities, not for spectators. And certainly if we have folks uh, who are having issues, problems, feel free. The number 720-716-7300. The code 564 nine four three pound press star six one if you would like to participate number again seven two zero seven one six seven three hundred the code five six four nine four Three pound. Press star six one if you would like to participate. The email untiljustice at gmail.com. Untiljustice at gmail.com. Uh, let's see. Uh, we'll, I'll give a few thoughts on some of the audio segments that we heard at the beginning and then we'll get to the emails and callers. Uh, let's see, with the, or audio rather, that we heard. Uh, let's see, so we got our opening segment about the Rona I just mentioned. Uh, that's gonna be contested throughout. Uh, they're still talking about some of those cases that are going to the Supreme Court even, about whether they can force people uh, to take this vaccine and all the rest of it. So. All I can say is look at the policy and procedure for your workplace, depending on where you happen to be at. Uh, I mean, even, in fact, some of the places have changed. Now you got to have the booster, too. Can't just be that you got two shots or if you took the, I think it's the Johnson & Johnson, it's the one shot. Nah, got to be that and the booster now. If you don't have the booster, then you're considered unvaccinated. So I said you got to keep up with the policy and procedure, ask questions. Uh, for some people, I guess none of that applies. If you're in Florida and other jurisdictions, it uh, just depends on, you know, 
what the moment says, what the white people in your area with the most power, what they say. Uh, let's see. The second, we had two different segments uh, discussing STEM. Lots of reports that have been going on for years uh, about the lack of black children, boys and girls, uh, in STEM and the impact of not having enough black people who are in these really important fields, get more doctors, get more engineers, get more scientists, all the rest of it, computer programmers. Uh, I thought it was interesting in the one segment, they continue, I say all the time, it should be white women. Even when they come in and they say Latina, do you mean people like Cameron Diaz? I got to wonder, like, is this just a white woman who can speak Espanol? Even that is, you know, you're not really clarifying, but even digging through the details on that, uh, they consistently point out in that, at least in that segment, I was at least thankful that they were not just saying that it's always a man. It's always a man. They did white man. We know we are not sending the likes of O.J. Simpson to the moon. Did folks see the movie from the 70s where they faked sending astronauts to the moon and they had Oriental James? as one of the astronauts. I forgot the name of it, but that's a uh, oldie but goodie. If you're staying in, it's cold for New Year. You can watch uh, some Oriental James classics. Anywho, uh, I did appreciate them pointing out white men, specifically other folks who are dominating. However, they did not have that level of clarity when they said there are 28% of the women who I guess are in the aerospace program are, are women. I would have appreciated the breakdown out of that 28%, how many are white women? And then you can give me all the rest, because they said, I believe it was Latina, whatever that means, were 8%. They didn't even give the normal, they'll say Latina or Hispanic non-white to allegedly give a little bit more clarity. They didn't even do that there. You got so-called 8% Latina. They didn't even give the statistics for black females. I don't even want to know. I'm sure it's uh, infinitesimal. Black, get back. Brown, stick around. Yellow, mellow. White is right. And going to the moon or wherever else. Jeff Bezos. Uh, let's see. I thought also it was important in that segment, words, they said they were talking about we need more Hispanic women because, you know, all the astronauts are not going to be six-foot-tall white men. Of course, that's not all of the population on the planet. Of course, right? Okay. We need more women. Okay. We need more Latino women. Okay. Nobody ever says we need more black people, especially not black males like Jesus. Lord, oh, get that OJ out of here. Uh, but they said we need more women and non-binary. I almost wanted to, like, pause and be like, did I hear that? correctly non-binary like when did we even get on that like wow is this about lgbtq do we need to send ellen degeneres into space as well i thought we were talking about hey we got too many white men when did we get off on non-binary and all the rest of it i didn't even know the sexual classification of the folks who've gone before lgbtq changing everything uh, let's see. 
and they had the, the male in the segment on STEM. He said, don't listen to idiots. This is like someone talking to, uh, I guess, girls, saying, you know, uh, you, can, you can be a scientist or what have you. I have no idea what he means when he says idiots. If we're talking about racism, white supremacy, it's not idiots. If you're talking about a racist white woman who has the ability to say that you're an idiot, you're, you're just stupid, or you're a troublemaker, you have behavioral problems, so you can't be in the chemistry class or the physics class or the biology class. You've got to be over here in the remedial studies. That's not someone who's an idiot. That's a white person with a lot of power to destroy your academic progress. No STEM for you. And there's lots of that, especially for black boys. Words are important. That is not, at least, I don't know, if you're talking about feminism and all that, sexism so-called, uh, if a white woman, I don't think her problem would be someone being an idiot, resulting in her not being in STEM either, but words are very important. They use discrimination, a lot of other terms to get away from racism. White supremacy is what we're talking about. And that segment is important as well. Throughout the known universe, they point that out when I remember first talking about counter-racism, like, man, we're not even just talking about things that are happening uh, on the planet. You have people that are flying off of the planet, and they're still experiencing racism, as you just heard again, salaries and all the rest of it. Let's see. Next, we have the segment on hair. I will have to say, and I said this for years, I am a little tired of all the talk about hair. Even I said, hey, they leave males out of that discussion frequently, black males, and that ends up being a problem for a lot of black males. I think retired firefighter talked about lip beards and shaving and shaving bumps and locks and all kinds of different ways uh, that hair ends up being a problem. Uh, for black males and black females, that notwithstanding, I do think that that is a little bit overdone. I really do not care if white people learn how to professionally take care of black hair. I totally get the logic of it is racism, white supremacy to be in a professional beauty school where you're supposed to be learning how to do hair for the general public to have black people totally excluded from that is not even worth our time and energy to learn how to properly care for nigger hair other than chemically treating it, straightening it, as they say. I totally get that. But at the end of the day, uh, we, the same conversations that we have about, I don't know if I trust a white person to work on my teeth, or I don't know if I really want this white person to do my heart surgery. I don't know if I want this white person to be my psychologist. It would kind of be the same conversation. I totally get the logic, but I mean, that is in 2022, I am not going to celebrate a white person learning how to do cornrows or a flat iron, use of a flat iron. None of that impresses me. Uh, I've seen that before. Just be a Gail Lukasik or someone like that who will be a really skilled, refined racist. Uh, let's see. In this segment, the Amazon facility, I'll even give a pause and a segue. This is a personal anecdote, Gus T. So I was working 
school system, California, right near Bay Area mom. I was in the Bay Area, no less, working in the school system in Oakland. We would get to school, job until we would have a, one set of children, mostly non-white, many of them black. We'd have to transport them to school from, they were in like a residential setting. Hear about that tomorrow, compensatory call it. We'd transport them to school, let's say like six of them. And then we'd be in the classroom all day, academic work, you know, like 11-year-olds, we'll say. That's why I said we have to do the CBEST and all that. Lots to do academic work and counseling, working on behavior and all kinds of things. Really grueling work. We would get there in the morning at 9, I'm going to call it 9.15. Sometimes, frequently, I'd say on a five-day work week, at least two of those days, routinely, I would not get my scheduled lunch break where we could do notes, eat, go to the lavatory. Wouldn't happen routinely. Like I said, on a five-day work week, I would say at least two. I'll even give you 1.5. 1.5 out of five days, I would miss my lunch. They'd be busy. I'd be called to work, do other things, just no time for my lunch. That would also mean no bathroom break because you don't have time to, to get away from the classroom. The bathroom, just for logistics, the bathroom was like, or the staff bathroom was like on the opposite side of the campus from where I was, like, oh, my gosh, I'm trying to think. More than 30 meters, like a substantial, like stairs, like not even on the same level, um, a substantial distance to get to the bathroom. So it couldn't be like a, you know, just a couple-minute thing. Like you would need some time to get to the staff restroom. Uh, I would generally try to go to the bathroom as soon as I got to campus, and that way if I didn't, you know, get a chance for a bathroom break, like, hey, at least then I got a chance where I could make it through the day without exploding. I don't get water and wouldn't get too many water breaks, so I could make it conceivably. Man, white supervisor, oh, my goodness, Gus. You stop it playing around with your privates. Stop by the classroom person, then you can go to the john. I said, man, and this is like legit. This is not me just, you know, trying to scheme and what get over on the white man. This is, uh, sir, we have a volatile group of children. That's why they're here. Frequently, old Gussie would come into a classroom of chaos. And I mean, like where it might be someone's in a physical restraint. You might have to be involved in a physical restraint. Anything could be happening. We might be short-staffed, like, there would be many times where it's immediately, whammo, thrown into the fire, as they say, metaphor. So you would not have, you know, a chance to ease into the day. Hey, good morning, everybody. How you doing? All right. Another beautiful day in California. Love some Tupac. No, no, no. I'm explaining. He's there. Like, he's seen the chaos. Like, not, yeah, that's true. Like, no, no, no. That's why you can't go to the bathroom. You got to come here. That way, if it's chaos, you can help handle the chaos and then go to the bathroom. And I'm like, man, you are out of your mind. (laughs) I would much rather go to the bathroom first, especially if it's going to be, you know, rowdy and whatever for an hour. Not even, I mean, you never know. It might take a long time to get things calm. uh, And I got to be sitting there, you know, twisting and uncomfortable and all the rest of it. This is directly related to the Amazon report, even though there's no tornado here. 
worked with the white women, many, 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 many white women there. She goes to the doctor one day. We did have health care. She comes back, and she says, uh, I got urinary tract infection. I'm like, wow, that is crazy. I didn't even know what that, you know, was. Like, wow, that's crazy. Uh, she says, uh, doctor said, you know, make sure you go to the bathroom. Do not hold it. That that's really bad. Uh, he said, if you work on a job where you're not able to go to the bathroom in a timely basis, like both of us did, get another job. I was like, wow, that is crazy. This is not healthy. He's like, no. And Dr. Rasayan says this a bunch. I think he said it at least four or five times, years he's been a guest. Answer nature's call. Really unhealthy to hold it. And I, that just further confirmed, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to the bathroom. And I remember him telling me, like, I went to the bathroom one day, and he, like, pulls me to the side. And he says, look here, Gus. Look at the clock. You went to the bathroom, didn't you? <laughs> yes, I went to the bathroom. If I'm going to be fired for going to the bathroom, it's not, again, it's not like I took 40 minutes. Like I said, we didn't arrive at, like, 9.15 on campus, and then, you know, like, 9.50, I'm strolling in. Oh, I had to go to the restroom. Sorry. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> if we get there at 9.15, like, 920, 922, like, bingo, I'm coming in. Anyway, so I was like, hey, man, if, if I'm going to be terminated, if that's the reason, like, stopping by the John in the morning, then so be it. I never heard another word about it, and I continued to go to the bathroom. I only bring that up. Sometimes for some things, hey, you have to make a choice. Am I going to get a urinary tract infection for this job? Am I going to wet myself for this job? You just got to make choices sometimes. Remember, we had a caller. This was some years back. She was calling in. She had a white woman who kept hugging her on the job. And she would tell her, like, don't hug. This was before the Rona. I can't even imagine that. Kept hugging her. She'd tell her, like, don't touch me. I have children. Like, I'm real, you know, touchy about germs and just people touching me. I'm not a, you know, touchy person. That's just not me. Like, let's watch the contact, please. And she would keep that. She got more sinister. She would wait and do it when the white, when uh, the victim had her back turned to her and that sort of thing and then come up behind her. Ah, give me a hug. That type of thing. Total, you know, aggressive, sexually aggressive in my opinion. But I remember we talked about this back then. And there were some folks who said, I would tell her in no uncertain terms, do not touch me. And if she wants to get an attitude or whatever it is, that's just what it's going to be. I say all this to the Amazon situation where they said, hey, OSHA, according to white people's standards, your workplace is supposed to provide. That's the word again for this year, safety. Your workplace is supposed to, your employer rather, is supposed to, is obligated to provide a safe working environment. Now, again, I say this is all, you know, hogwash because the plantation is not safe throughout the known universe. But we're at least supposed to pretend, hey, in the work environment, we're about safety. You're in a work environment, you get a tornado warning. Or your relatives, the people that care about you. They text you, tornado, oh, my gosh, you might be in the path. Like, you need to get out of there. And you're super, no, 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 no. You can't leave. Or you're out driving because we got folks who work Amazon and, you know, other jobs where they do deliveries and things. You're out driving. 
you get the update on your phone or what the same thing. Care may contact you. Oh my gosh, Gus, are you still out driving? We got a tornado that's about to come, man. You park that van and get out of there. Uh, okay. And you wait, you contact Superbot, they haven't given you an update now. <laughs> they haven't let you know if there's danger or anything. You contact them and they say, Oh no. You better get out there and deliver. In fact, if it seems like you snuck off to go somewhere and hide, well then you just know you don't have a job to come into on Saturday. Sometimes you have to make a decision. Black self-respect means tell me where to park the van and leave the keys so that you can come get your property. Particularly if I hear this story and you tell me that there was an employee who said, I want to go home. This is unsafe. And they were told you are not permitted to leave. And then they died? Oh, yeah. Sometimes, and I said it repeatedly, that's the word for the year, safety. You have to be most concerned about your safety in a workplace environment every time, not half time, every single day. And, I mean, that might mean some really unusual days. Like some days it might mean to make sure that you're not being molested or somebody is saying something sexually inappropriate to you. Some days it might be making sure that your vehicle hasn't been sabotaged. Seatbelts are working correctly. Other days it might mean making sure that you vacate the premises in a timely manner because there's a hurricane. Maybe even ask way in advance, what's the procedure if we have some sort of natural disaster? Like I live in Seattle. I'm telling folks, like, man, they have a volcano uh, signs posted around, like if there's a volcanic eruption, you know, this is what you do to evacuate and all the rest of it and earthquakes and all that, like you have to know your environment, like what what potential problems could we have and is our work environment prepared to ensure our safety if any of these events occur? They have earthquake drills at the same school where I couldn't go to the bathroom, they would have earthquake drills. This is what to do to make sure that we're safe if there's an earthquake. We're in the Bay Area. They do happen here. Same type of thing. Like, man, we are about to have a major weather event. Like, what's the procedure? Is it go home? Do we have where are we supposed to go here? Like, let's practice. Let's give a dry run, as they say. This is not one where you want to be running around like a chicken with the head cut off, metaphor. And then literally end up that way. Have all those people perish. you got to be looking out for your safety. Uh, in every instance, the company, they're going to be, you heard of the report, they're going to be looking out for them. How can we best get over? Do we say they're an employee? Do we say they're an independent contractor? Are we liable in this at all? Maybe it's best for us to say nothing. We'll just deny it all in court. Tell them they, should, they went to the wrong side of the factory because they said, yeah, the people on the north side were fine. You just went to the wrong side of the building. Really be mindful about your safety, any job, especially if you work a job that you know is more dangerous than like a typical nine-to-five office desk job where your biggest danger might be carpal tunnel or something like that, which should not be taken lightly. I think we talked about that before, ergodynamics and all of that. Make sure you have good posture and, you know, correct equipment so that you are not 
injuring yourself from repetitive use and all the rest of it. But, like, if you know you have a dangerous job, they talked about the truckers. Forgot that was the first segment. We got truckers. Nick over the road, got our truckers and such. He's not even the only one. They talked about that. Same thing. Began with safety and ended with safety. They talked about van, truckers. We got regulations. Not supposed to drive, you know, more than a certain number of hours. Supposed to get a certain amount of rest. And then that ends up being compromised. They said they don't have uh, adequate rest stops or they're not safe. Now, they said, especially for females, as a black person, male or female, I strongly suspect you get out here driving through, uh, I don't want to speak for Nick over the road or other folks. I'm sure they could tell you better than I could, you know, from my imagination. But I do not imagine driving through South Dakota, Iowa, Utah, Kansas, Nebraska, Arkansas. I do not imagine driving through the outskirts of any of those regions as a black person in the middle of the night is safe. You put Washington in there, too, I'm just saying. Safety, number one concern. No one is going to be concerned about your well-being or safety, even other black people probably, in a workplace environment. It might, I have no idea if it was white people. The Amazon situation in Illinois where those people died, I have no idea. might have been non-white people who said, you know, whatever. You want to go home, you can't go home, you're not permitted. I don't know, but in the system of white supremacy, black lives are not valued. You have to be mindful of that in the work environment, or it could very easily be you. Your child, mother, father is texting you like, oh, my gosh, we're getting the flash flood warnings or, you know, temperatures dropping to 10 degrees. Like, you know, you should get out of there. I'm like, it's time to roll or park that car, stop those deliveries. And the job says, oh, no, no, no. And they try and threaten you. You're going to lose your job or what have you. I cannot think of too many jobs, if any, that are worth your life. I know we had some folks on here who work for the Secret Service. And you know that's a part of the job. You might die with this job. I don't know if working at the warehouse for Amazon is one where I signed up to give up my life or to deliver for Amazon. Or, like I said, too many other jobs. Like, I don't know how much I like Obama. Like, man. Anywho, we will stop there. Number again is 720 Seven three hundred, the code five six four nine four three pound. Press star six one if you have commentary. Uh, the email until justice at gmail dot com. Uh, I will get to the emails after I check in uh, some of the folks who dialed on the live line. Let's see. Uh, if we have folks, if you have either thoughts on the vaccine status, the holiday party, certainly any of the uh, audio segments. I guess we have any of our folks who do the truck driving. Thoughts on that one. And or workplace safety. Always huge. I know we have folks who work at Amazon. I cannot imagine we have anybody close to the Illinois area uh, who work for Amazon. But uh, for sure, workplace safety. Uh, folks have any contributions maybe, things that we should all be doing to make sure that we're ensuring our safety as best we can in a work environment, uh, you can let us know that as well.
let's see. Uh, All righty. First few folks who dialed in with a hand up. Blonde should be, oh, and I forgot. I forgot. One second. I'm so thankful. Uh, our folks from last week, you heard Bay Area Mom. I mentioned her already. Uh, she talked about her new job uh, where she was going starting out this week, uh, and, you know, getting the orientation details, all that good stuff, training, ideas, what it's supposed to be about. I'm so thankful. Uh, just, again, uh, anybody out there who's in a job where you're not prospering, you're not getting all kinds of phrases, perks, company car, gas card, free gym membership, Starbucks cards, I don't know, least vehicle, all the goodies you could think of. You get all your bonuses, increases, raises, promotions. That's not happening. You have to scrape and fight to get your nickels, what they said they were going to pay you. Everybody else is getting promoted and moving on and doing great, not you. Do not get stuck in those type of no-count dead-end jobs where you are totally devalued looking to get out, and then don't let them pull you back in. That's so common. I had that the same raggedy no-count job in California when they wouldn't let me go to the bathroom. When I got ready to get my stuff together, and, man, I'm going to get me a job where I can go to the bathroom. Man, I put in my two-week notice, and it was, uh, wait a minute. Uh, look at here, Gus. Uh, maybe do you think you could stay and uh, help us transition through the summertime maybe and stay an extra three months or two months? Like, do what? You wouldn't even let me go to the bathroom, much less a rave, <laughs> you know, a, a plaque, a golden toilet, I don't know, something like extra two, three months. What are you talking about? Am I going to get, like, a raise, a perk? Or, oh, no, I don't know. You can't do anything like that. Two-week notices in. Thank you kindly. Do not let them, they will do that. It's like quicksand, forgive the metaphor, but that's exactly what some of those jobs can be like. We had our caller in New Jersey. He said that. I'm ready to go out and start my own company, get my own truck, do my own thing. Oh, oh hey, 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 uh, do, you, do you think you want to stay and, and work a little bit more? And he tried to leave, and they called him back. Like, hey, hey, do you, do you think you want to come back and work for us? Do you, do you think you can, you know, pick up an extra shift? Maybe we'll give you an extra nickel, do you think? Like, come on. Like, you all didn't even value me when I worked there. Do not, as best you can, do not let white people and or non-white people hold you into really foul, non-productive work environments. Now we'll get to the callers. Hello. Hi, Gus. I heard uh, Bay Area Mom and be in Toronto. I guess we'll do our international first. Uh, greetings, be in Toronto and Bay Area Mom. Be in Toronto, proceed. Oh, that's okay. I can. I'll. I'll yield to Bay Area Mom. And by the way, congratulations, Bay Area Mom.
Oh, wow. So she's yielding. Much obliged. Uh, be in Toronto. Yes. Let's see. Uh, oh, maybe that was not Bay Area Mom. Let's see. Our other female caller. Hello. Not Bay Area Mom. My apologies. Yes, ma'am. Hi. Thank you for yielding because I have to go. So let me just say what I have to say. Um, hope everyone's having the best day they can have. Um, and, you know, hopefully you make it through the new year. So only a few hours left. You know, hold on. Um, I guess my workplace situation, I'm working, like I said, I'm at a location. And I guess, I don't know, the like I said, the person I'm assigned to work for, because I work through the temp agency, is black, black lady, black woman, female, whatever. Um, so am I. And the people that were already there when she was, before she's only been there since November 15th. And so the people that she, I guess, inherited were white females. Um, and I guess but she kind of, I don't, she didn't drive the lady away. I don't want to say that, but I guess the white lady had, well, the white lady, she had a nervous breakdown, I guess, because she was not doing the job properly. And she would tell me, I guess, because I was the manager, yeah, I see, I, need, I didn't know as much as I thought I knew, and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well... You have to find out. And then she was telling me all these medications she was taking. I said, it is not worth it. I said, do you go to church? You know, Jesus or something? I don't know. You need some help. Um, take a walk. I said, you can take a walk around the block. And she said, oh, the property. I was like, oh, you got property. What, what are you doing here? I didn't say that part. That's what I was thinking. And then I told her, this was like a Wednesday. I told her, I said, well, there are new people here. You know, things are going to change, you know. Trying to, because the manager already wants, wants to, wanted to get rid of her. And she came in on Thursday and said, I guess she said she couldn't take it no more. And she had to leave. So, but my manager, she's been a lot of manager, managerial positions. So she knows, you know, she's comfortable in handling it and all that stuff. So I thought that was, thought that was strange. I guess our confidence drove her away. Um, never heard of that before. But that's new. Um, and I guess the hair thing, I know, I guess, you know, people see the hair thing differently. I know for me, that's one of the reasons I I need to, I know I need to get my hair trimmed in, you know, parts of my hair I can't see. But I did learn that recently that, well, not the license part, but that even re just recently, people, all people who went to cosmetology school, I don't know about barbers, because I think that may be somewhat different. I don't know. But cosmetology school, they were, like you said, they aren't trained on dealing with natural textured hair. You know, that's a big thing, a, a big movement. And, you know, so you may go to a black person. But now, you know, black people, well, not now, but black people have always been of diverse backgrounds. And, you know, there are a lot of black people who were not, do not grow up around I guess a lot of black people, because they may be adopted by white people or, you know, they may have different textured hair because they're what what people call biracial or mixed, whatever that is. So you really do have to find the right person. And I do notice that, you know, now there's a big push with the white people and their products to have natural whatever. I don't even buy those because, like, we weren't thinking about us before. But I just, I actually just trust other black women on YouTube. And that seems to be working. 
Um, in terms of safety, like I said, where I work now is a factory, so I try to be as safe as possible. There's a area, safety walk, I walk in it. There they require you to have masks and safety glasses because right now I have to walk through the factory to get to my area. So I have the earplugs. They have them on the side if you forget your mask or at least the mask and the earplugs. The glasses are a little, I guess they're a little more pricey items so they don't have those just readily available. But they have those like if you walk in or getting ready to walk into that area. Um, and then one of the other, the other lady, the one, not the one that ran away, but the other girl, I guess girl, because she's younger. She had, um, she had COVID, so we had to be careful about that because we were around her. But thankfully, we have, we didn't get it. So as far as I know, it was, we haven't been around her over a week, and no, no symptoms between myself and the manager, who is black. Thank you. Right on for no uh, symptoms. Caller in Georgia. Uh, glad she's able to get in. I think she said she had to exit. Um, we've heard that before. Competent black workers, male or female, uh, bothering white people. Just couldn't take it. You know, not they they weren't threatening weren't calling the white person names or white people names in general, anything like that, didn't wear, you know, incendiary clothing, came in on time, conducted themselves in a professional, courteous, competent manner, and ooh-wee, can't take it. I got to get out of here. Incidentally, when you have really anybody, especially a white person, but anybody, and they want to start going into all their details and medication that they're on and problem, mental problems and things that they go like, whoa, whoa. That P word I just said, professional, like that is not under the rubric of professional conduct at all. And I said we have a long list of that, especially with white people uh, coming in and they want to burden the Negro or talk to you about this. Oh, yeah, I got my meds this way, and it's been so hard this year, and Christmas is always rough on me, and sometimes I have to go and do my drinking bit. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We are just coworkers. Keep it professional. I'm not even a psychiatrist, so, like, the meds and everything, like, I cannot assist with any of that. Uh, the COVID situation, take it serious. Go say the knock on wood tackiness, like hopefully you and black supervisor, all the other victims are uh, safe. But I mean, that's why I said consistently, take it serious because you just don't want to mess around. There's so many people who are not taking this serious, who are not following the protocols and what have you. I guess if you're supposed to wear a mask there and where you're in certain areas and what have you, so many folks are not doing that and just being reckless and then they want to touch everybody and act like this is old time. So Take it serious. Uh, that is my recommendation. You just don't know about the other folks that you are uh, working with, I'll say. Uh, let's see. Much obliged our caller in Georgia. Uh, be in Toronto. Thank you for yielding. 
Thank you, Cass. And um, good evening to you, callers and listeners. Um, so, yeah, it was interesting you were mentioning about the trucking industry because my brother is a, is a truck driver, and uh, his area, um, he, he worked for construction. Um, so he's bringing in the supplies. And um, what had happened over there is uh, there was someone that had... Uh, tested positive for COVID and they did not management rather did not bother informing the employees on site that they're that someone tested for uh, COVID the way that my brother found out about it was that there was a customer that came up to him and said hey did you hear about the outbreak on your site and he said nope so um everyone's on quarantine um that's that's there um and uh so that's what's happened so what i found was that there is a site uh that um at least in toronto uh one can go to it's uh the government site where uh they can check to see which um companies uh social service areas uh shelters have uh reported outbreaks of the COVID-19 because whenever there's an outbreak, um, the employer must contact the representative um, with uh, public health uh, in order to um, assist and monitor the situation. So definitely check uh, your uh, region um, to see if there is something similar so that you can at least get some updates there uh, as to how outbreaks are reported uh, at different companies. And if you, if you don't have that readily available, so if the employer hasn't provided that, then see if you can contact your um, city representative um, or state representative to find out if there is something similar in order to access the information. Uh, in terms of deliveries, uh, because I moonlight doing deliveries, uh, what I've done is I've put together a care uh, package, and the care package consists of a porta potty, water, soap, um, wipe, all of that, uh, so that at least if um, if by any chance, say, if there was a lockdown um, or if there wasn't a restroom that I could get to, at least there's a contingency plan. So um, with all the uh, hygiene supplies in order to take care of whatever needs to be taken care of. So that's also something to uh, look into. Absolutely correct in terms of workplace safety. Um, it's interesting you mentioned about Amazon uh, because... 9-11, um, upon investigation, 9-11 had something similar where uh, employees were told to return back into the buildings um, even after the planes had hit. And um, that, unfortunately, a, a lot of people uh, perished as a result. Uh, so absolutely agree. I remember, actually, during the 9-11 incident, my son was at close by the downtown area and because um, uh, Canada was also on alert they were worried that uh, it wasn't just 
America that was happening to in, in New York, but also it might happen to Toronto and, and other uh, large municipalities. Um, they had advised everyone within a certain radius to evacuate the location. And I remember um, letting my employer know that I need to go pick up my son because he's within the particular uh, radius in the downtown area for evacuation. And they didn't bother taking it seriously. They were saying, oh, well, nothing's going to happen. That's going, nothing's going to happen. I'm like, I don't care. I'm following the protocol of what the government is saying. I'm, I'm leaving. And I ended up leaving, and they couldn't do anything about it. I returned back to my job uh, the, the following day. But uh, sometimes you just have to make that call to protect yourself. And um, other than that, uh, in terms of updates, uh, I mean, it's nothing new. The employer, the plantation where I'm at right now, they were trying to pull an, another trick up their sleeve uh, by trying to delay payment, uh, but I got the payment anyway, and I'm still on sick leave and still looking for alternatives to get out um, so that I don't have to be there anymore. So, yeah, that's pretty much how it's been. Um, but thank you for your time. And I uh, can't wait until this year is over uh, because it's been a crappy year. And, uh, yeah, um, I leave the line. Context of white supremacy. Terrible year it has been. <laughs> Counting them down. She's closer to 2022 than we are out here on the West Coast. But it'll get here done the same. For some of us, I guess. Man, I saw today they were just planning Betty White's 100-year birthday party, and she up and died today. I said, wow, they were just planning the party, and Today is not guaranteed for any of us, so for sure. Uh, that is Hall of Fame, uh, having the care package for folks who are doing deliveries or whatever in your vehicle where you know you're going to spend a good chunk of your work shift driving around. Hall of Fame, uh, having that material there. She said a porta potty. My goodness. I mean, now, hey, it is 2022. So all kinds of things are available. I mean, they probably you could probably have a portable shower, a portable toilet, like everything uh, right there. Have some, uh, what are the meals ready to eat? MREs, have a few of those. Like, I don't care what happens. I'm ready to roll. Like uh, charger, whatever for your phone, your other extra battery, all that good stuff. Like, hall of fame. Uh, just in case, hopefully you never need it. But just there, never know uh, what type of thing happens. And absolutely, uh, in terms of, hey, sometimes you just have to make a decision uh, in terms of, am I going to get my child? Am I going to the bathroom? Am I leaving in a hurricane notice or tornado notice? You just have to make a decision uh, sometimes. They say, I mean, Certainly could cause other problems, but I mean, wow. How many children do I have? How many lives do I have? 
<laughs> she said 9-11. I mean, hey, sometimes your employer should not be making the decision. Like, I will trust my own logic. A plane hit the building. I don't think I need to go back inside. I'm going to wait, just in case. Employer says go back inside. Uh, I'm going to use logic. <laughs> I'm going to wait, just in case. Safety, number one, you have to be in charge of your safety in the work environment, and that might include a lot of things, tornado, plane crash, office pedophile, all kinds of things. Asbestos. <laughs> Let's see. Emails, until justice at gmail.com. Get to the rest of the folks who dialed in, too. Uh, we have one uh, person wrote in. Okay. Hello, cows. I'm a black male from New York State. I've been listening to the recent Neutralizing Workplace Racism programs, specifically addressing use of workplace-provided devices. As it was the case, I happened across a report today via local radio regarding the new law requiring employee employers to alert employees of monitoring practices on company devices. The link below presents the news brief with the PDF that shows the specifics of the new law. It does not go into effect until May 2022, but I thought I would share this with the cows that listeners in New York and elsewhere can see what practices are implemented on the plantation. Uh, so he did indeed uh, send me the link. Uh, they have a report online. They have a PDF. Uh, it's New York employers must notify employees of phone and email monitoring. I'll read a little of it just so you get the flavor. New Governor Kathy Hochul Mr. Cuomo, poor fellow, sexual abuser, uh, signed legislation on November 8, 2021, that requires all private employers to notify their employees of their intention to monitor work phones, email, or Internet use. It does not say laptop. That was what gave me pause. It doesn't say laptops, which is like the big one. Like, Internet use, okay, but I mean, come on, let, let me keep reading. The law is effective as of May 7, 2022. Under the new law, any employer that monitors or otherwise intercepts email or transmissions by employees must provide them with written notice upon hiring. The law does not specifically address requirements for current employees. The notice must be in writing or electronic format and must be acknowledged in writing or electronically by the employee. Additionally, employers must post a notice in a conspicuous place which is readily available or viewing by its employees. The notice must advise employees that any and all telephone conversations or transmissions electronic mail or transmissions or internet access or usage 
by an employee by any electronic device or system, including but not limited to the use of a computer. There we go. Like, man, why isn't that out front? Telephone, wire, radio, or electromagnetic photoelectro electronic, excuse me, photoelectronic or photo optical systems may be subject to monitoring at any and all times and by any lawful means. I love it. And that's all in quotes. They should have that on the front door. They said put it someplace conspicuous. Nowhere is more conspicuous. Forget morning and welcome everybody. Put that on all of the entrances to the building. That's the first thing you see. Right above the hours of operation and all that. Bam. Daily reminder. I love it. I love it. Make it put it on the refrigerator, put it throughout the building so everybody knows. We're not using the phone, computer, nothing as though there's privacy. Love it. You can check it out. I'm not gonna read anymore. You can uh New York employers must notify employees of phone and email monitoring. Much obliged. That was from uh, Naeem, victim of white supremacy. Be very, very careful with those devices. They are not yours. Possessive adjective. Number again, 720-716-7300. Decode 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Can I be heard? That is our Bay Area mom. Yes, ma'am. Thank you for taking my call. Greetings to everyone on the line and you. Hi, B in Toronto. Thank you. Yay. Um, oh, I'm glad you're still on leave. Yay. Hopefully you'll find something different. These people are crazy. Oh, and um, I... I um, Hope your brother is safe too with all this secret uh, <laughs> exposures. No one wants to really share. But uh, just the people, um, uh, the um, what are they? The customers know, but you don't. That's crazy. So, um, oh yeah, with the Amazon too. Yeah, they're crazy. Uh, Oh, they're crazy. And it's so hard, especially, I guess, in Chicago, too, because I was only certain, and then you got those, wherever the blacks are, and they have to work somewhere, too. So I'm sure a lot of people, because those warehouses hold so many bodies, a lot of people are working there, and they probably just treat them like irreplaceable because they really are because of the wages that they're offering, depending on the locations. It's a it's a pretty good deal, and then you get the instant benefits of, you know, as soon as you start and 
uh, even though it's a lot of labor, depending on the department that you're in, it's it's still a check, you know. So, but you don't have to treat people like that. Because I remember when I was working at Amazon, somebody uh, somebody died there. So they just didn't shh, nobody. But you know, we told everybody, and it's more like a shh until I'm like, you literally work the person to death. And um, what else? else? Mandates, mandates. Oh, booster shots. So I don't know how that's going to work. I'm sure because everything that I do requires boosters. And even with my my sons, they're tightening up um, in his state. And they're going to, I'm sure, you know, as soon as he goes back, they're not going to be able to, they'll shut the school down first, I believe before they implement the boosters, and then they'll go to, we have to have a booster if you want to come in or whatever. I believe, I don't think they're just going to instantly, I think it'll be a school shutdown first, and then they'll do that so that they can maybe the summer or, you know, whenever um, school starts back in August, I was just thinking. Um, then it'll change the game. And then whatever the remix that they'll put in between you know, whatever they're going to be doing uh, to tighten up the mandates in between them, um, implementing the new laws. And then I'm sure we'll be on the fourth boost, uh, the fourth shot by then. That'll be probably what the second booster. So it's just so unpredictable. Um, I'm so glad. I don't know what I'm going to do with his last year when they do do that and implement the boosters because. Yes, he has to go. I don't know. So anyway, workplace racism. Bring it back. Bring it back. Um, my workplace racism. So I didn't go to work this week, but I did get a text from the little boy's mom. We're here on vacation. This is Monday. Now, mind you, I did let everybody know. The company let everybody know all through the company, months in advance, that we would not be open from Christmas Eve until the third. Everybody knew. Nobody took it. Nobody paid attention because, I don't know. And it's like, no, I'm not going to be there. Oh, are you taking off? No, I'm not taking off. Just Everybody's taking off. It's close. Close. It's really close. Ah. Ah. So I guess the little boy must have been. <laughs> I don't know. So I get a text Monday. Yeah, vacation. Everybody's on vacation. It's not just me. I'm not on vacation. The company. It's on vacation. Not just me. Not lucky me, okay? So, I ran into the auntie of the little boy. Uh, this just helps me out. I'm telling the story because it helps me a lot. Um, so, I ran into the auntie. So, she's, uh, hi! Talk, 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 talk. Because we're close. We, we all live in close. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> she's talking, telling me how um, frustrating it is. No, we didn't even know you weren't going to come. I was like, yes, you did. No, we didn't. I was like, I told you I would see you next year. I told you that a few times. Oh, well, my, their dad and um, my, my mom didn't know. Yes, they did. I told her to. She said, well, I suppose, hey, 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 not there. Oh, maybe they forgot. So anyway, it's so frustrating without me being there for those three. Excruciating. 
unproductive hours that uh, they're taking it out on the auntie. So she's getting hammered at, hammered at, hammered at, picked on because I'm not there to pick up the weight. So by today's Friday, by Wednesday, it's over. Snap, crap, bow. Hey, you need to get these kids together. You need to do this. You need to do that. So the lady going to say, well, these aren't my children. These are your children. I'm just, you know, we all appreciate and help, but these are not mine. And so he does whatever and then tells her, well, you can get out. And so she's like, well, yeah, I might not. You know, he put me out. I was like, well, you just just relax, calm down, and, um, you know, I wish you, you know, I wish you well with all this. So she's uh, uh, just saying how um, how tough it is, you know, especially with me not being there and how much, how heavier it is on her. And I just said, well, wow, I'm sorry. And I didn't say that you will never see me again because I am never coming back. And if I do come back, it will not be from that door. It will be in the whole different on a whole different arena because I'm never going to go back to the job again. And um, the little girl, poor thing, I'll never see her again because I'm not going back. So uh, that just assured me with all the aggression and all this different things going on in these homes, I can't be in those homes. I can't absorb all of, all of that stuff, whatever that is. I can't absorb it. I can't keep dealing with it. There's nothing that I can do. So um, I did my training for the job, the other job on Wednesday. And it was supposed to last for eight hours, only last for like an hour and a half. It's priceless. Got my little CPI training so I know how to keep from getting whooped up. Like, who got Irie? Was that Irie that got whooped, knocked up? Kids about to take her head off. Yeah, so I had to learn how to not get... I learned a lot of skills, so I know how to not, you know, get assaulted by these strong, disabled children. So that was a neat class, and it's even better because it was shorter than, uh, you know, and I got paid for, for the full eight hours, but it was short. And I was like, oh, yay. So I did that. Um, I did all my stuff, and I start on Monday. The only difference is I'll have to get my butt up and get in traffic, but it's not. I mean, it's. I did it before the pandemic. I would commute. Well, even at, during the pandemic, I would do the commuting. So it won't be that bad. Uh, and I'll learn the. I'll get. I'll be okay. And um, we'll see. We'll see. It, it should be different because it's in the school. Uh, in the different schools versus uh, homes. So I, I guess I'm excited. I think it paid a little more, and we'll just see. We'll just see. We'll just see. But it's not that I can just keep moving, <laughs> to keep it moving. But, uh, yeah, that's my workplace racism. And um, thanks for taking my call. I mean my life. Much obliged, and congratulations. Bay Area mom. I'm glad to be excited. I feel like that's new one. We have not had that. Like I feel like the the job that she has had has been no reason for excitement 
at all. It's been exactly what she just shared. Going to visit, help clients, trying to, you know, help black children when she can, which is phenomenal. But the parent, they don't even remember, like, I told you I was going to see you next year. Oh, maybe they forgot. You're not even paying attention to people that are trying to come and provide resources for your child. Like, that amongst many, many other aspects, like nothing to be excited about with this job, much less, like she was saying, being in the houses and in the middle of the whole COVID everything, much less, you know, all the chaos and everything else of having to go visit all these people directly in person. I would much rather trade that being in a school or neutral environment uh, where you can help them there uh, and have a little bit more control over what the surroundings are going to be, not have to compete with the television being on all the time. I just, yeah, anytime where you can feel a sense of excitement, looking forward to your job and developing your career, making a few extra nickels, bravo. Like, uh, I guess some trade-offs with the commute, see how bad that is, but, you know, see how it goes on the new job. And, yeah, I, I think congratulations. Uh, you, if you see him again, it will be under different circumstances and hopefully better improved uh, circumstances down the road. And, they might not have even been paying attention. Like, I could see, you know, they're trying to convince you to stay or <laughs> whatever. Like, I'm sure they will find out. You'll be able to work all that out uh, down the road. Um, for the booster, I know a lot of, or I suspect a number of parents, that's something that they have in a process, especially if they have college students, changes to the vaccine policies, uh, if they might be required to get the booster shot or required to get the vaccine or testing or whatever it's going to be. That might be something that a lot of folks are having to think about, and, you know, figure out which choices they want to make. Again, take it safe, use logic, do the best research that you can, but take it seriously. Man, oh, man, I didn't even say anything about that craziness with B. She talked about she doesn't find out from her coworkers. Her supervisor, she finds out somebody doesn't even work there. Like, oh, man, how are you all dealing with the outbreak over there? Outbreak? What? Embarrassing, and it's been tons of that the whole way through. You don't have to go and tell us every single person who tested positive, but, I mean, geez, there's a whole outbreak and not a mumbling word. Not even, hey, let's really make sure we're not slacking on our protocols, like distancing, wash your hands, keep your cotton-picking mask on, we're going to do some testing, like nothing. Or play safety. Uh, let's see. Number again, 720 Seven three hundred. Decode five six four nine four three pound. Press star six one if you would like to participate. Can I jump in here? Uh, yes, sir. 
All right, Gus, I got an answer for you. Yesterday during the book club, you asked who the Ramon character is that uh, the uh, lady, I cannot remember her name. I call her the lying lady in my opinion. That's just my opinion. But the Ramon was the guy who started that band back in like the 70s called the Ramones. Uh, He's relatively average-sized white guy, long black hair. So that's the answer to who the Ramon she was referring to was. Um, one of the things that I've noticed in terms of the tech, I didn't get to hear that first part. I was uh, busy actually doing some tech work. But uh, one of the things that I can state is it is pretty much a white male-dominated situation from top to bottom. Um, currently, if you go onto Twitter, in the venture capital space, a white fellow named John something, for, for what I, from what I understand, I guess he started some uh, company or fund and his company's worth $30 billion. Well, just a couple of days ago, he decided to air out his true feelings about why he does not uh, consider doing business with black founders. So I guess his firm does venture capital, and what venture capital is, let's say you have an ideal, whether it's profitable or not doesn't really matter. If you can sell them on the ideal of putting money into your ideal, then you know, you, you're able to get venture capital funding. Only roughly like 0.6% maybe of all venture capital go to black founders. Um, so this guy just pretty much let it be known. Like he, he, he pulled out the good old Reaganomics. Um, I mean, he didn't even go Lee Atwater. Would he? he just came straight down the middle, just particularly uh, pointing out his view that, you know, black culture is the reason why it's, not a value for his company to invest into black startups. Long story short, a lot of uh, that segment of Twitter chimed in with their, oh, you know, that was racially insensitive, blah, 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 blah. But when it comes down to it, tech through and through is a white male thing in America. The second group that I see, particularly from uh, Silicon Valley, is a lot of East Indians. Uh, I, I say like Kumpla Harris's people. Right, like red dot Indians, not necessarily like Native American Indians, but the ones that come from India, and then Asian, right? And one of the areas that I've, I've seen, at least in that area with um, the female side, is it seems like there's a lot more uh, East Indian females who are engineers at these major tech firms. So I don't know where um, that report was pulling this information from, but just from interacting with people and talking with people in Silicon Valley, they'll let you know, like, it's pretty much white guys and then Asians of some variety, whether that's East Indian or, or Oriental. Uh, one of the things that I aim to do, I have a belief in reach one, teach one. So in terms of getting more black kids involved in STEM, um, I always ask them, you know, what's their view of technology? How do they use it in their life and try to figure out how to get them interested in um, learning about it. Because the biggest problem is you can have a liking of something, but if you don't know what the first step is that you need to take, that's pretty much your, your barrier of entry. So I always try to lead people to, you know, go to your local library, have a library card, because your local library can assist you in finding the appropriate books for someone who's starting. And they do have books for children, so that's the that's the good thing about it. But there's also uh, services and sites like Google. They have um, platforms specifically designed to help kids and young children um, interact with technology and get an understanding of how to build things with it. 
uh, I will say a big barrier is not having access to people in their community who have experience with it. Um, that's what I've learned, at least over my period of time of doing it, is that the white kids, they get start out very early. So even if their parents aren't into engineering or the STEM field, they have a neighbor or a relative, a direct relative they can contact and find out information about it. So one of the things that I'd encourage any black parent that's trying to get their kids involved in STEM is go to your local library. It's an excellent resource, uh, and it's free, okay? It's generally free. Um, I know libraries out where I'm at, we have these things called innovation labs, and that allows you to go into the library and you can work with different programming tools such as, you know, laptops, desktop computers. They'll let you uh, borrow them sign them out and be able to use them. But they also have ones that allow you to play with robotics uh, and learn about how those robotics platforms work. Everything from Lego sets to um, Raspberry Pis, Arduinos, microcontrollers, things that allow robots to work is how I put it. So your library, I'd say to any black parent, is the first step you want to go to. Um, it's interesting seeing how a lot of the black folks were responding to what the white guy said because the white guy specifically talked about black people. He didn't go the minority route. He pretty much segmented out. He, he said, you know, uh, if you look at the East Indians and Jewish people and Asian people and all these other uh, minority groups, you know, they seem to get it right, but, you know, black people need to clean up their culture and all this other stuff. It, it, was, it was interesting. But my, my uh, response to it was I can appreciate him being honest about what his stance is because a lot of times, in that space, you have these people who put on this facade as if they like you, as if they think your ideal is great, and when it comes time to get the financing or access to resources, all of a sudden, they're coming around with the, uh, well, you know, right now, you know, we think it's too early on, and, uh, you know, you, you should put in a little bit more work, and it's not quite right right now, but we like what you're doing. You know what I'm saying? I could appreciate that white boy who's just straight up honest with you. Like, no, I ain't messing with y'all. So that's my part that I've seen this year. And uh, I hope everybody has a good 2022. Um, 2021, I think, has been relatively not that bad because it's not like it's been any different for black people in America, at least, in terms of how the system of white supremacy is operating. So, I mean... It's, it's average. I think just the, the fact that uh, we're seeing the fallout from a lack of economic stability, that now it's more in our face as opposed to before we can, dis we can distract ourselves with traveling and moving around and futzing around. As uh, Mr. Fuller states, you know, it's not until you get to sit down and really have quiet time that you get to think about what you're dealing with. But uh, hopefully we'll stay codified and continue to grow in 2022. I'll mute my line. Much obliged to our caller in Ohio. Some of us just seeing if we get there. Uh, man, it's cold. Uh, excellent suggestions for folks who are listening, or I guess even, not that's a suggestion, more just in terms of the venture capitalists. I don't get upset white people just being honest about their racism, white supremacy, specifically for black people. That's like really 
old and cliche, the black culture is responsible. Tiger Mom and all that other model minority groups, other non-white people get it right. White people get it right. It's just you lame black people and your lame rap culture and hip hop. Why not even, hey, you have the resources and what have you. How about help us get a program to correct black culture? You can take credit for doing it. Find some folks who are crackerjack, young entrepreneurs, against the grain, and let's help change black culture. As a focus, I mean, that's, that's old hat. You don't want to do that. Just sit around and be an old white man complaining about black culture. I mean, that's, that's a real old hat. I'm going to use that suggestion, you know? uh, Gus. I, <laughs> use, I, did, I did not think about that. Sorry to interrupt. You actually, see, I appreciate you giving me that idea. Because everybody else is kind of going in trying to play the angle of how can we use this to guilt trip some other white people to invest in, in me particular instead of saying, okay, let's address this issue. You get what I'm saying? But I'm going I'm to I'm I'm use that, man. I'm, I'm going to put that out there in that sphere when, when, when that question comes back up. So I appreciate the codified response there. And I'd like to say I'm, I'm able to actually sit outside. It's like 47 degrees here. But the bottom's about to fall out in about a week, so but we'll be down there with you in the, in the temperature scale and snow. So don't feel bad. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. All the, the wonderful folks uh, in warmer climates, even – like, I don't even think 40 is warm. Like I said, I think earlier this week, anything 55 and below is chilly. Like, I would kill, I would kill for like 30s. <laughs> like, uh, Jesus, like, it has been so cold, like, I almost went out to cut a fool when it got close to 30 degrees earlier this week. Like, Jesus, uh, enjoy. Just as I said, hoping we do not freeze to death before 2022. Certainly will be no so, or at least Gus T will not be outside cutting the food tonight at midnight. Like, Lord, uh, back to the workplace as opposed to the weather report. Um, but yeah, I always appreciate the honesty and then just same thing. Like, uh, I think we talked about this in workplace too. People are sitting around. It doesn't have to be black people in general because they'll sit around and do the same thing about an individual black person. I use myself. If I wasn't here, they'll sit around. Oh, that no camp Gus. He's so lazy. His pants are wrinkled. His fingernails are dirty. He can't code worth a darn. A chipmunk knows more about computers than him. Like, dang, that might be true. Got some smart chipmunks. Uh, what can we do to help old Gus out? You think they got a training program we could send him to or something, kind of get him up to snuff? Mentor, maybe we could set up with a mentor program, something like that, kind of get him on track. Because I think he's valuable. I think we can get him on track. That, I think, always push in that direction. Like, you're right. Black culture is trash. At minimum, it could be improved. Let's get a program together and see if we can do something and, and, and get black people on the right track. No more pants off their behinds. Like, oof, these folks are doing it to it, solving problems. And a big part of that can just be the library. Love that one. Like, uh, I know here in Seattle, 22 libraries that have been closed. It's been so cold, they closed the library. Uh, but they do have, under normal non-COVID circumstances, all kinds of programs, especially for children, just like you were talking about, coding programs, computer programs. Uh, they have programs that are specifically for non-white children uh, here in the Seattle area. Uh, just go and you can even just go and be ignorant. If you just, and I mean, literally, I am a parent. 
what sort of programs do you have for children? They will probably load you up all kinds of brochures and sign up here and blah, 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 and whatever you want to get your child in. If you're looking for something STEM, they should have it. And uh, museums, they probably do that too. I know here they probably hook you up. You probably get some free passes uh, to some of the museums where they do the exact same thing. They have the science museum here and all of that where you can get them hands-on experience and maybe find a mentor, or not like a black uh, computer program or something like that so they can see like, oh, okay, these people do exist and blah, blah, blah. I can go, you know, talk to this person and see how we got to this point. Take advantage. But, but depending on where you are, Seattle is, you know, a gold mine for a lot of reasons. But even if you're not in Seattle, other places I'm sure would have great resources that you can do a lot with your children that kind of push them in a career direction. If you're interested, just go and Check online for starters. Go ask the folks who work there. Like I said, take advantage of museums as well. Lots of great uh, ways to kind of spark some of those energies and, and thoughts about what folks would like to do with their time and energy and even what interests they might have. More importantly, things that they might really like and doing, enjoy learning about. Like you were saying, like, you don't just play video games. Like, you know, like, the mechanics of how to start putting these together, you can make your own game. Hey. Now we're talking. Let's see. Uh, da, 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 da. Other folks, the number again, 720-716-7300. The code, 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate, if we do have folks, if you have been uh, away from the plantation, I'll say, right, you got time off for the holidays and all the rest, bravo. When you get back, I would not, you know, give out a whole lot of unnecessary details about what you have been up to, uh, what family hung out, like none of that. Uh, I would expect a lot of nosiness uh, from folks who want to, you know, what did you get? What did you spend? And you have pictures and blah, 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 blah. Nope. Do not fall for any of that. If anything, it would be real nondescript. Oh, just hung out, rested. Out here it might be ooh, the weather. I wouldn't even leave the house. Too scared. Too cold. But I would not go into details at all. Uh, no bragging and, you know, what you got or what you gave somebody or nothing else, the fun time you had, all the food, no pictures, none of the above. Got through it, had a good time, glad we made it back safely. How are we all safe? All right, back to the job and pivot right on through. If they do anything uh, for New Year's, sobriety would be best, because I have seen that where sometimes, uh, especially if you're in a, say, more liberal work environment, like you don't work for the district attorney's office, uh, they might come in, and, oh, we'll do a little champagne so we can toast the New Year's together. Like, I wouldn't even do that. The debauchery can roll out so fast. I'm good. <laughs> like, and like I said, you want a reputation professional, 
sober, that is not gusty. Not going to be drinking on the job, taking things seriously. You all do whatever you want to do, but nope, nope, no champagne for me. I'm good. Let's see. Let's see. Other folks are getting their thoughts together or spectating. Again, we'll be here uh, tomorrow, compensatory call at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Uh, we will, I guess it will be the new year if we make it, are not frozen uh, to death by then. Uh, we'll catch up on what went down the past seven days. Man, lots of deaths. Uh, Archbishop Desmond Tutu, South Africa, former House Speaker Harry Reid. Like I'm missing some other, one other person of prominence. I'm sure I'll look back at my notes and recall, but a number of folks uh, who passed away just over the past uh, few days or so. We'll catch up, we'll catch up uh, on all of that. The conviction of Gisseline Maxwell, white women, white men, sexual predators. Uh, we'll catch up on all of that tomorrow. Uh, and thoughts on the conclusion of 2021 beginning of a brand new year, hopefully more constructive, a little more logic, a little more counter-racist thought. But that'll be 8, or excuse me, 9, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific, Saturday evening. Uh, if folks have other thoughts to share, let us know. Again, not for spectators, certainly not as we stand on the uh, precipice of freezing to death here in Seattle, Washington. Uh, get your thoughts together. We're not waiting till the last minute. Uh, folks are just spectating, trying to think and get their thoughts together. We will wrap up early uh, so that I can try to be warm, uh, which has just been, I don't know, a relic from the summertime or what have you. It just does not seem to matter what I have done or where I have been, how many clothes I have on, proximity to the heater. I just cannot get warm. Uh, it seems wherever, whenever the temperature drops below like 27, it is a lost cause. Anywho, uh, let's see. Other folks have commentary uh, that they want to make sure they share. Can it be heard? Dread 138. Yes, sir. Yes. Good evening, Gus. Good evening, callers. Good evening, listeners. Good evening, everybody. I want to wish everybody a safe and prosperous new calendar year. As I um, I suffer, we're not suffering through, but I am actually in home going through another um, quarantine. Unfortunately, I was living in the New York area, as everybody might might not know, has been very, um, the reported cases have been um, very prevalent. So what, uh, what happened was uh, after I, not long after I spoke to you I, um, yesterday, found out that I had a, a positive case of COVID, so now I'm sitting home 
And I'm actually making a um, dish of uh, semantic garlic soy chunks as a, as, a, as a constructive activity. Anyway, I want to um, discuss, like I said, you know, this update as far as, because like being in, the, I live in the New York area, New York City area specifically where the COVID restrictions are very, very strict. Where you have, like I said, you have to be, uh, have to be tested and um, have proof of vaccination in order to enjoy many activities that people take for granted, indoor, outdoor, so forth and so forth. Um, my my employer has not been because, like I said, has not been subject to this to this mandate because it's a state-run agency. But it's it's fascinating to watch how even even at this at this stage in the game where. We are two years, two years, oh yeah, two years plus into this restrictions and mandates and so forth. They still, still don't have a cohesive plan in effect, and I found that fascinating. There's a couple of thoughts, like I said, also a couple of thoughts. I'm I'm going to be jumping around, but I want to ask that specific report about the truck driver, the, uh, he opened his, um, his business on a Airbnb model. Where did you, where did you find that from? So I can share that with my, my attempted son who also is a truck driver. And then, um, Just, just listening, and it's been very, very, very traumatic living through this right now. I'll have to um, let me mute my line so I can gather my thoughts. And um, but the main thing I want to ask is just where did you get that that specific report? And I'll come back once I gather my thoughts. Thank you. Much obliged, uh, Dread138. Uh, that is uh, the lameness of 2021. Uh, he said he had to be uh, on quarantine once again. That has been the type of year that has been. Uh, hopefully, he'll be able to come through that safely uh, with no health issues and get back to uh, countering racism, following logic, being healthy and safe uh, as soon as possible. Uh, Seems like I heard the he said he was getting the garlic together and doing the, the plant based menu sounded like so glad that uh, some healthy eating is a part of the rehabilitation. The report on the truck drivers was titled Biden wants to recruit new truck drivers, but the real issue may be retention. Uh, this was from uh, NPR. Earlier this week, uh, you could probably search that title. Uh, Biden wants to recruit new truck drivers, but the real issue may be retention. 
and you'll see the report. You can either uh, just send them the link, you can listen to it, or they probably have a transcript with it, so you can just read it. But something to think about, I would, uh, especially for non-white drivers or folks thinking about that industry, uh, especially if they're trying to do a lot of recruiting because they've been saying that that's part of price increasing and price increases uh, and shortages that have been happening in the U.S., at least partly not having enough drivers and what that segment, that would be a good explanation as to why. There might be some folks saying, yeah, I'm going to think twice about this. Maybe I can find a better job, better pay, safer job. He even talked about how the impact it had on uh, marriages, high divorce rates. You have to spend so much time away from your family and can't be around and all the rest of it. So, yeah, retention. Lots of significant R words, retention, racism. Uh, let's see. Feel free to get your thoughts together, sir. And rejoin us when you are ready. The report again, Biden wants to recruit new truck drivers, but the real issue may be retention. Uh, let's see. Other folks with thoughts to share? May I be heard? Caller in Florida. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you very much, sir. Greetings to Gus, the host, the listeners and callers. Um, There's been uh, the usual going on on uh, both sides of the office um, to see what the the clerk's office, right, it's four different buildings. Uh, and the one that I'm in supposedly titled the Family Civil Justice Center, right? But with the uh, the white staff that works in there, including the, um, the so-called chief deputy, which I titled the metaphor the uh the the prison warden, the warden, white woman. She and her cronies they continue to cause issues in many different ways. Uh there was some interviews going on and even the new white person knew to point out that it was one of such and such as friends. So <laughs> that person is the main reason her uh, white friends have been getting hired. So it's like she found it out now. Um, but there seems to be five positions open, uh, two in the civil area, one in the child support DR, and two over in the department that I work in. So there was a, actually, no, it was two black females this week getting a tour of the uh, office and was like they were being toured through a particular area where I was 
present in. And both of those black females were being, uh, I guess, uh, helped out or assisted by a white supervisor. So she introduced me to both. Now, I knew of one uh, victim of racism, but the second one I didn't. But I found it interesting that she pointed me out, uh, and I didn't even work in that area, but she knew to somehow point me out. Uh, I wanted to start out with that because I'm thinking, obviously, I was because I'm classified as non-white, I'm not a white person, and I guess this person has gotten in trouble for how she has lost a lot of employees, but from my understanding, it's been reported to me that the black female, the first one being interviewed, is going to be working at the other building. Um, And my next one is there is going to be a ceremony in about two weeks where Judge Mickle, Judge Stephen Mickle, a black male, is going to have his name on the, uh, the 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 new courthouse. So you know the parking lot is pretty much going to be um, secured. So I'll have to park elsewhere, and they're going to have the uh, the criminal justice center courthouse closed out. And I know it's racism being practiced because they haven't even sent out any emails or anything. I just only heard briefly about this because uh, this person passed away and they decided to, decided to um, name the courthouse after him. So we'll see what details come about over the next two or three weeks. Uh, the next report I wanted to make is um, a, a a click member now and she came in with a phone to, to show a black person right one of those memes I well at least I'm concluding that it's a meme because she read off the question saying something like um, what's the most comfortable place or something like that one of the most comfortable places to take a dog and she showed it to the black person and she said out loud a Chinese buffet so one of them racist jokes uh, and the black person goes oh yeah you're right yeah you're right so I just I just shook my head and kept doing my work looking at the film on the screen uh, she, she goes oh that's 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 terrible. Then say racist or racism. That's terrible. Uh, and now her boyfriend, right? As I said before, was up and start in that bar and put the knife to the uh, the white woman's throat. Now he apparently received fifteen years. He's getting fifteen years. Uh, so now he's a felon now. So he got that off of one charge. And she still is walking around here showing dedication. 
you know, and practicing racism. Uh, my um, my next one is is that there's been a a victim of white supremacy who had to go home because she felt ill. She felt sick, right? And I'm sharing this one for a reason. I'm going to make a compare and contrast because she works in the traffic area and it's pretty spaced out. So, you know, I didn't really have much contact with her. I only seen her like maybe two or three times just from a distance. So by the end of the day, the uh, white woman that I titled as the war and sent out an email uh, saying, well, hey, you know, if you come into work and, and you know you're sick, don't come in, this and that, such and such, these uh, different departments, traffic, juvenile, civil, the front counter, make sure you're wearing your mask, but left our department out, right? So I'm talking to a black female and this uh, white woman chief deputy, she comes up and asks a black person to go to the back. So I'm like, what, you know, what was that about? You know, and I guess she was asking her, did she have any contact with this black female? So she had to go home as well. And other people had to go home. Uh, and what I noticed is that this, my my point of it is that this reaction was so uh, strict and kind of straight-laced as opposed to the three or four white women about a month or two ago uh, I made a report about that came into, that came into work wearing no mask and they had, I believe, the, uh, the Delta variant of the COVID-19. And I didn't remember seeing the war and going around um, visibly asking people to come talk to her. You know, did you have contact with this person, this particular person? So I didn't see no emails or nothing. But when this one black person finds out that she is, uh, she tested positive, all of the white people talking about it. Oh my goodness. Why does she come into work? She shouldn't have come in, you know, putting her business out there. So for the most of the week, that whole side, or at least a great portion of it has had to, uh, go home and quarantine. So, um, those were some of the incidents that I wanted to share. Uh, and that's all I have to uh, say right now. Thanks for allowing me to speak. Much obliged, caller in Florida. Racist jokes, man. Racist jokes. Uh, let's see. He, start, he said the folks at the Family Civil Justice Center, the white women, cronies, their cronyism, nepotism, hooking all their friends and homies up with jobs. That is regular in pretty much, I would say, all fields, all career paths, even the tech industry. <laughs> Talking about all that in Silicon Valley, 
white people, white men and women, hooking up their relatives, cousins, neighbors, nieces, with jobs, whether they're qualified or not. Long running in the system of white supremacy, and then they'll turn around and say, it's black culture, man. Y'all are lazy, man. You don't read. You know, you don't take serious in school. You just got your pants hanging off your behind and, oh, wait a minute, I got to go in. My niece wants a job. Got to hook her up really quick. Uh, we heard that. Matter of fact, that was in the book club yesterday. Alice Siebold, she says she didn't say, I worked hard. I studied. I stayed up late. I got up early. She said, oh, no, I know I could have gotten the UPenn legacy. My dad teaches there. Nepotism, cronyism, lots of isms. Absolutely, that's what they say, right? Uh, let's see. They have the show up our Negro tour. They don't even hire black people. He said they had uh, openings in his section, the segregated section, and it was open for like a year. Just can't find anybody. They're not going to hire any more Negroes. You got enough of them over there. They get two black people the two victims, black females, and they got to show off our Negroes, bring them over to the segregated section. Look here. Look here. All our black people, look at that. You'll fit right in. See? Now, if they did that when they, you know, bring in any other potential employee, oh, okay, whatever. They bring them to the segregated section. We get a racist joke in. Whatever. I don't know if that's the case. And it seems like we got these black people. Let's show off our other black people. Look here. You got any plans for next weekend? Dedicate the new building. Be glad to have you here. Put you in the newsletter. I would expect all kinds of tackiness uh, for that event where they're, I guess, this black judge passed away and they're going to name the building after him or what have you, like super astronomical tackiness. Him saying them being late with the notifications and I suspect that this is a white person this would be a big to-do. Hey, we're going to be here. Are you bringing something in? And we're going to have a cake and party favor. Can we get that guy to come and do the Elvis thing? <laughs> big to-do. Let's do it up. It's part of the new year. Like, let's really make it a do. Yeah. Got this colored Name the building after a colored fellow. Yeah. Yeah. Guess we got to have a ceremony about all this. We'll, we'll get around to it. Super tacky. That's what I would be on the lookout for. Uh, let's see. The comparison about the sickness, I remember before he had said that there were white people. It was seeming like they might have tested positive or they might be, you know, sick where this might be a, a COVID threat maybe and it was man i'm not trying to use up all my pto i'm coming in put on my mask or whatever and you know y'all just have to deal with it <laughs> like it was not whoa becky might have the rona wait a minute er, er, er. anybody that's been around becky like get on out of here too can't be in but that was not the attitude at all it was hey make sure you get that pto come on in black person he didn't even say, I, maybe I didn't hear correctly. I don't remember him saying that she tested positive. It was just she was sick. I was waiting for him to say, I thought 
when he said it was comparison, I thought this was going to be maybe another reminder about don't eat at work. Maybe they had some sort of potluck and she got food poisoned. That's what I was waiting on. That's not even what he said. And he didn't say she tested positive. Importantly, it seemed like they went preemptive on this one. We'll just assume that the nigger has the Rona and anybody that's here around her, get on out of here. That would be fine if that's the normal protocol. Anybody else comes in and they just say they're sick. They don't even have to say that they tested positive. Just, you know, I don't feel well. Whoa. But if you're only doing that for the black person, white supremacy racism, again, like when they called the non-Clemson grad, said he was the contagion in the workplace, that's the same sort of treatment. And then people can get mad at her, especially if they haven't done this. This is like if this is the, I don't know if it is or not, but if this is the first time that people have been sent home because this person said they were sick or whatever. Oh man, you talk about office resentment. That Negro hussy got I had to go home and couldn't get my hours and boom 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 and mess this up and I got all these Christmas bills. I could easily see it being that where they blame her and say, you know, black people not being vaccinated and not taking it serious or has it, has anybody else been sent home? Has this happened before? Or is this the first time that other people got sent home because somebody reported being sick? Um, it has happened before, but like this is the first time it's happened to a black person. And, and the reason I made that comparison is the, the way, like, they were so much more vicious, like, going around around people, you know, asking them to come talk with them and other administrative staff. Oh, have, have you been around that particular person when they didn't do that with the white staff, you know? Uh, and I just don't remember that happening to a white staff member like that and so she has been out since monday so um yeah i noticed that the warden was going around asking and then i think it was a lot of the time black people it was a lot of the black employees because she doesn't really speak to you know uh, the white staff doesn't necessarily interact with her that much so I just noticed the difference there. Um, and they started doing that unjust networking about her, um, you know, being sick and everything. And I'm like, wow, like, like what's going on here? Because I left and I had to go do something and I came back into the office and heard about it. And then all of a sudden this email pops up and then another one pops up from the new HR lady talking about the C, uh, the CDC guidelines and you have to stay home for five days and things like that. But I'm like, man, but the, the, the white female that came up in here, like you mentioned, just for uh, PTO, I didn't see them going around, you know, visibly in front of people. Hey, can I talk to you? You know, but, since it's a black person, you know, hey, I can see that they're going to do, you know, they're going to do something like that to embarrass and humiliate, um, practice racism. So that's, you know, that's why I wanted to bring that up 
because it was three of them at one time that stayed until like 3 p.m. from 8, 8.15 in the morning to 3.30 in the afternoon. Then then they went home, but the the black person went home like way before that, like maybe 11.30 or something like that, or 12. So I'll have to see um, how that uh, concludes. Uh, thank you. Victim didn't even make it to lunch before they got sent home. What was the what was the punchline for the uh, the meme that was shared? The portion of it that you got to hear with the where do you take the dog to poo at? Oh yeah, um, yeah. She she came out holding the phone out. She was like. Oh, I just want to show you something really quick. Walking up to the black female, and before she um, got to where she's seated, she says, uh, what's the best place or something like that? What's the best place to take your dog or something? There was something like that about a dog. And then after she got to where she was seated at, and while letting her read the meme, she read out to the Chinese buffet and then walked away saying, oh, that's terrible, and that's so terrible. Racist jokes, man. And at the courthouse, now they just had Michelle Odinette. I said that. We were talking about this. She just had to resign for making racist comments uh, and what have you, and they sit down at the courthouse. Now, this isn't the judge, but I mean still, and sharing those type of means at a workplace. And why would you go and share that with them? That's why I said, like, people that do that, never, ever. I'm not exactly what uh, Howard, uh, thinking of the football play. I was thinking of several folks, Mr. Edward Williams, uh, he played with Jim Brown, Cleveland, but he's been a guest on the first name will come to Walter Beach. It's Walter Beach the third. Cut it at the knees. Like, do not share any content like this. Who do they even come? Oh, I want you to see this meme. Even the phone. In fact, I said that before. Talk about not equal enforcement of rules. He's told us they had black people there the same thing. They will come and read them publicly. Hey, we have got policy and procedure about you being on the phone in the workplace. You can write up all the rest of it right now. Put that phone away. White people breaking their phone. They don't do that. He said, David, I'm not going to come. Call out Susan over here playing on her phone looking at TikTok videos. I'm not going to do that. They just give out a real general, soft, oh, hey, just make sure we're not on our phone, gang, to everybody. No one gets called out. Why are you even on the phone? That's not court-related activities, showing off me, much less racist jokes. Come on, and then why are you picking out a black person to show this to? That's the sort of thing. They come back later, and they want to do fried chicken, nigra, Al Sharpton meme, 
Oh, you girl, you know we just mess around. Remember the Chinese food and you know we just mess around. And nobody over here is right. Half the staff is married to black males. What are you talking about? That's why I say just I'm serious every day. Not here to engage in any of those jokes. I don't care if I'm the butt of the joke. You're joking about somebody else or whatever else. Like, I'm not here for that at all. I'm not here for the gossip. Talked about that last week for the gaslighting, the gossiping, and joking. That right there is a big part of it. And it's starting off, like I said, you're not even supposed to be on the phone. It'd be different if you were calling to check on your family, health pandemic, something like that. You got family that's flying in for the holidays, leaving for the holidays. You want to make sure they're safe. You just want to share some trash with another victim of racism. Triple T, what it doesn't get any better than tacky. I would want that reputation. I, I don't think we've ever heard our caller at the courthouse here. Maybe he left that one out. I've never, I do not recall a time where a white person ran up to him in the courthouse. Oh, man, look at this here. Pull it out there, their iPhone. Look at this, look at this, look, look, look. Like, come on. Serious tone in the workplace. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, sorry, sorry about that, Gus. I just wanted to point out two things. Uh, Her boyfriend got to 15 years in prison, so now he is a felon. And the black female she walked up to just a week or two ago, they just gave her hot sauce for a gift for um, Christmas. I forgot all about the hot sauce, the Christmas. I can't even uh, minimize that either because, like, anybody, if this was him, his mom, this victim that they got the hot sauce for, Anybody there, if they had a care mate, a sibling, slit somebody's throat, 15-year convicted felon, man, the gossip and side looks that you would be getting around the room, like, oh, my God. It would not just end the audacity a black person, you have that happen. And, I mean, it's not like this is ancient history. Like, that's from 2021. Then you running around the office highfalutin, behaving like, what? The looks alone you would be getting from people like, you are lucky we allow you to continue working here. Better keep your mouth closed and do your work. Like, what? He's making racist jokes, man. You're... Frickin' boyfriend is out slitting people's throats, man. Put some money on his commissary and be quiet. You can't afford to be losing this job. The tackiness, like, ugh. I would be hanging my, sh- my head in, in shame. It wouldn't even be about, uh, I'm, I'm trying to tell racist jokes or anything else. Like, let me just be quiet. See if I can get through the day without that having to be brought up. What does it mean to be white? Stunning. Much obliged. Uh, caller in the Sunshine State, Ron DeSantis, 2024. Uh, let's see. Other folks, comments they want to make sure they 
get in, again, not waiting until the last moment. Uh, temperature is dropping each second as we speak. Uh, anything else folks need to get in before we conclude today? Oh, I could just die. It's so cold. Uh, assuming we live through tomorrow, I think it will finally warm here on Sunday, and that is relative, but I, when I say warm, it will be back close to like 40 degrees, so maybe some of the snow uh, will melt uh, and all that. Even to put things in perspective, like how grueling the conclusion of this year has been, Seattle, we normally average like one snow per winter, maybe. Sometimes you don't even get that, but once and that one snow is not five, six inches. It will be like an inch, and it will be gone in 24 hours because the temperature is normally about 40 degrees this time of year. It has snowed four times this week. And it was above freezing, I think, for maybe five minutes yesterday. And then it snowed again. And now it's under 25. Like, that's how grueling a week it has been in Seattle. Like, woof. Other folks, if anything else they need to get in, firewood they would like to send. I did a rod. I kept thinking about that, like, man, that's what is needed, like an I did a rod. You know the thing with the, the sleigh with the, the wolves? Mush, mush. That is what you need to get around here. Like they have so they so snow is such an irregular occurrence that they are not the best at dealing with it and they have re lots of hills like it is not a flat topography here so travel becomes very challenging if snow actually stays and sticks for more than a day so uh, I would say most of the streets are still very very covered with snow um, mush the Iditarod yes uh, any other comments folks need to get in I got a question for you, Gus. Have the uh, the white people over there been having a good old time partying and playing in the snow? I've seen a great deal of that. Uh, I passed a couple snow, uh, I think what they say, you sexist is a snowman. So I passed a couple snow persons uh, en route to the program. Uh, I saw white, they had their uh, skis out, right? Because there's so much snow, I mean, you probably do better uh, skiing some of the hills as opposed to driving especially now with all the ice, um, they look like they have been out having a grand old time. Uh, the folks, the white children on my street specifically, uh, they were out. It was almost 11 o'clock, and they were out building, like, snow structures. Like, their white dad had to literally, like, come and drag them into the house. Like, uh, they have been cutting a grand old time, uh, at least a good chunk. If, if I was white, I would have acted a fool. I would have made one experiment to go down just to see if the ducks, what they were doing at Green Lake, and I would have had to pick, like, a warmer day to do that. But other than that, I'd have been in the house, firewood, baked treats, chilling. Anything else folks need to get in? Listeners, I will um, compose an um, email and share 
my um, experience with the continuing COVID saga. Thank you. That would be great, sir. Again, continued healing. Eat well and uh, take care of yourself. Take it super serious uh, with the quarantine. But, yes, drop us an email, and we will share how that whole experience uh, has been. That's why I say, like, just COVID alone, I feel like, you know, we could be taking up whole programs just talking about how people have adjusted to that and best uh, plans for trying to do, especially moving forward, because they keep changing so many of the protocols uh, with what, you know, do you have to be vaccinated? Are we even going to be taking it serious? Because I know in some places they're going the opposite direction as opposed to more rules and mandates, which I'm not advocating. Other places they're saying, you know, we are done with all this. We're not doing the testing. We're not doing the distancing. We're not doing mask mandates. Like, we're done. So it kind of, you know, just have to be mindful about where you are, and above all, take it. Same thing with safety. Take it serious, so you can make the best decisions for your personal health and safety, well-being of you and your attempted family, folks that you have to take care of. Uh, again, we'll be here uh, on Saturday, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Provided things have not frozen over by the, if folks seen day after tomorrow, that is what it has felt like. Every day since Sunday, when all this started, like, ugh, like, I don't know if I'm, there's a homeless black guy in that movie with a dog. I don't know if I, and that's supposed to be me because there's not very many black people in the film, but like, man, the scene when the temperature starts to drop and it's like frost and ice starts to cover the windows, and like, I literally have seen that. I was inside at the store at the windows, and I guess somewhere in the structure, some of the water, or it might have just been condens uh, condensation, uh, was pooling at the base of the window. It was so cool or cold. It was so cold, Arctic. The ice had frozen on the inside of the window seal. I was going to take a picture, but it was too cold for pictures. Day after tomorrow the sci-fi film. That's basically what it's felt like for the entire week here in Seattle. Literally, even the scene where the guy in the helicopter, he goes outside and he walks and he literally dies. It's so cold. As soon as he opened the doors, he dies. That's what it has felt like here. Like, oh my God, I feel like I will die if I stay outside five seconds longer. <sighs> Hoping that we make it to spring. With all of that, sobriety would be best. They've reported the drinking, he talked about uh, cutting the fool, man, white people in there drinking, not going to be denied just because there's some snow and ice on the ground, cold weather. They said uh, you could get hypothermia and all this cold could really be a problem. If you've been drinking and think that it's hot, get fooled, and oof, it's 20 degrees outside and snow is on the ground and you're cutting the fool like, whoa, be careful. What a disgrace. Uh, enjoy the or survive the cold weather being sober, if you can, if that's not too much. Uh, in addition to being sober, uh, if you're out and about, uh, especially tonight, I assume lots of folks are in places where it's not snow and ice on the ground, so you might be party or whatever. If you're doing all of that, you for sure want to be codified. If you're going to cut a fool, part of that is certainly be sober or you're not driving. Uber it up, whatever you need to do. Have a designated driver party at somebody's house or you can just crash there and then leave tomorrow when you're sober. But 
I would not want to be on the road. Real bad time to meet up with an enforcement officer, badge or no. And you might not be the only one out cutting a fool tonight. Other, lots of things to consider on that one, like, ooh, does my code include what to do if we bump into some rowdy racists while we're out here gallivanting this evening? Rowdy victims while we're out gallivanting this evening. Make sure you consider all of that and or tell folks if you're an attempted parent, tell them likewise. Lots to consider if you're going to be out frolicking on this night, this whole weekend, really. You see folks being hostile and rowdy, I would head the other way fast. Uh, you do not want to mess around. You should be thinking this person could be armed, intoxicated. They could have an entire armed intoxicated gang at the ready. You left the house to have a good time and stop at IHOP. You aren't ready to die and kill? Exit. Live for 2022 so you can get to the other side. You don't want to be like Betty White. If you're going to be in a vehicle, you are for sure Sober on this night, this entire weekend, I am certain there will be sobriety checkpoints out. You're not on the cell phone. You are buckled up, doing the small things that we can to minimize contact with race soldiers, and you need all of your attention. All of that said, Creator, we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people, victims of white supremacy, we ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves. Remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times, in all places, each and every time we are in contact with another black person. It has been time. Replace white supremacy with justice in 2022. No name-calling, no gossiping, sobriety for this weekend and beyond. Improvements, massive improvements for 2022. Kyle signing out. Thanks all for two, uh, tuning in. Nigga, you so brainwashed. I'm a victim, What's brother. You're a victim. I'm a victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my conditioning. Mm-hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned. <laughs>